Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm David Michael from the Passionate DJ Podcast. Now, episode 100 was recorded live and on video. For those of you who are listening to the podcast through the normal podcast feed on your smartphones and so on, we tried to make sure that most of the episode would translate well into an audio-only format. But if you'd like to watch the replay of the video, you may do so at passionatedj.com forward slash 100. Now before we get started, I need to briefly apologize to Kilma and Joe Pardo. They were both supposed to join us for the show. Now, during the stream, I say something about Kilma having audio problems, and it turns out the problem was on our end the whole time, so that's entirely my bad. I'm so sorry that the two of you couldn't join us. But I do uh, want to thank you guys personally for hanging out in the chat room while we recorded and kind of interacting with the other listeners. I'm sure they really appreciated that. And, you know, the overall show was a smashing success. We had a whole lot of fun. We made several exciting announcements. We caught up with some previous guests from the show, including Mr. Shifter, Mike Donovan, and John Chappell. We took several audience polls, and uh, we wrapped things up with a really fun Q&A session at the end for you guys that were in the chat. Uh, these guests were awesome, from the pre-show all the way to the dinner that we had afterwards, and I really think that you're going to enjoy what they have to say. Uh, oh, one last thing. The recording starts a bit abruptly, uh, at the beginning, we had no sound for a minute or two, which kind of threw me off guard for a second. So I apologize in advance for the initial awkwardness, but hey, such is the nature of live shows. It's happened to me before while DJing, and I'm sure it'll happen again, but uh, the show must go on. So overall, we had an awesome time. We had a great two-hour conversation, and uh, we had a really good time just interacting with you dedicated listeners who joined us in the chat room and watched us live. So Thank you guys so much for 100 episodes of the Passionate DJ Podcast, and here's to the next 100, where we will continue becoming better DJs together through passion and purpose. And now, I present to you the episode 100 live show. Oh, there we go. Was that you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. All this right. is Passionate DJ Podcast, episode 100 live. Yay! <laughs> All right, so obviously uh, this is the Passionate DJ Podcast. We are a weekly talk show dedicated to the art and science of mixing music. And together we're becoming better DJs through passion and purpose with over 150,000 downloads now, wow. believe it or not. So I'm going to redo the intro here because I royally screwed that up. So to my left, we've got Mr. Trip Turlington. What's up? With a whole water-cooled rig for his leg. Yep, yep. You know, tore that ACL, man. Just got to keep the swelling down. And to my right, we have Mr. Tony DeSero. What's up? What's up? Fresh from the three-dimensional Downlink Diesel Boy show. Yes, sir. Can you hear us? Uh-huh. Yeah, there it is. All right, cool. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for our first live web stream. We're all just, this is amateur hour. We're just figuring it out as we go, so... Um, so, okay. Uh, is Kilma in the room? Yes, she is, David. Hi, Kilma. Hopefully we can uh, talk to you here in just a minute. I don't know if her sound's working or not, but we're going to have a whole panel of special guests. We've got several people here in the room. Um, let's try to bring Kilma on and see if that's working. Can you hear us, Kilma? 
Okay, while we're waiting for that, let's go ahead and do our first poll. What's the first poll? All right. We want to ask some questions to you guys and gather some info. Yeah, most here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't mind me, guys. I'm just here doing all the, the heavy lifting. So if you guys take a look at the question portion at the bottom, there are several polls listed, the first one of which being, uh, which should our next pick three episode be? We're going to let you guys pick that out. So if you guys can hook us up and give us some ideas, we would be more than happy to let you dig into our crates. Yeah, so for those of you who are not familiar, the Pick 3 series is where we all, uh, the hosts, each pick three different tracks under some theme. So we did a hip-hop one, we did uh, a couple different variants of that. Um, favorites, you know, tracks that are important to us for some reason. And uh, we just finished Moe's Crate Invasion version, which is where we basically throw us under the bus and make them answer to whatever we randomly pick out of their crate. So now that we've done all those, we're ready to get back to the normal format, and we want you guys to pick out what kind we do. What are the options? So what we have listed here for your choices are the guilty pleasures or cheesy tracks. You know, those are kind of self-explanatory. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, top 40. But I guess maybe that would be top 40 relative to us, because I don't listen to the radio anymore. So, <laughs> um, B-sides. Uh, that's a little bit more challenging because most people don't actually buy albums anymore. But I would kind of categorize that as one of those tracks that is on the album, but probably didn't get a lot of play because of the fact that there were one or two other tracks that got predominant play. It's like pop songs, but yeah, yeah. B-sides of, of pop artists. And lastly, we have tracks you have no idea that I listen to. And that can uh, be pretty so big. So off, off the beaten path stuff? Yeah. Okay, cool. Totally. All right, if... Uh, if Kilma's having trouble getting her sound working, let's go ahead and introduce our panel here. Mr. Let's Mike Donovan. Camera right here? Right here. <laughs> right here. There you go. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Good. Welcome. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you are not only a DJ, but uh, you've gotten really involved in the promotional aspects of, uh, you know, throw, like, well, especially with Deep House, and we talked about volume the last time you were on. Can you give us just the, the elevator pitch of what volume is to remind our listeners? Uh, it, volume Deep is just a uh, Deep House, basically a house series, but I've tried to focus on Deep House. But it's uh, about every eight weeks, eight to ten weeks, um, typically on a Friday, uh, bringing a headliner, a house DJ, and bringing some regionals and locals. But it's just a, a, a Deep House series. Um, that we've, that's been about two and a half years now. Awesome. Yep. Mr. John Chapel. This guy. Hey. Camera's there. Okay. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I'm just a local promoter and DJ, and uh, I, I, I don't really play out much anymore. So You don't play out? So where are some of the places you have played out? Oh, well, you want me to list them here. Okay. Oh, oh, you've got notes. Don't say just because you're a staple of the scene here. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I, I, uh, I still run an EDM weekly up at uh, up at Therapy. Um, I've let me just go ahead and list these right here. Sure. Yeah. All right. I played a, a service elevator in an abandoned refrigerator <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> uh, I'm doing, whole resume. Uh, I'm actually doing a uh, a Midwest tour of uh, every I think nine. Nine or ten storage closets in every Econa Lodge. <laughs> and um, I played a really good show with Mike here in the walk-in closet of my, in the guest room of my stepdad's house. Nice, so nice. That was, 
He was really, he wasn't happy about that. Uh, a nonfiction section of a feminist bookstore. <laughs> Uh, 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 the basement employee lounge at the VA center and the deep end of an empty pool at the, at the Miami Valley Rec Center. <laughs> so Busy I, schedule. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, I'm all, I used, we, I'm all around. We appreciate uh, your dedication for bringing your entire resume with right, you. That's I, amazing. I to, How did you even find prepare. time to meet us here? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I took a wow. break from, I thought the, from the employee restroom at the Marriott. Wow. So. Mo was our resident mobile DJ, but I think you've got him beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but John's way more places than I possibly would want to go. <laughs> and then to Press. his right, we have... How do I follow that? Mr. Shifter. <laughs> Should I introduce you as Mr. Shifter? Uh, if you would like. I, I would like. Uh, I'm Jack, <laughs> a.k.a. Mr. Shifter. Uh, long time ago, I was Shapeshifter in the late 90s. Then I changed my name because there was a drum and bass outfit that took the name and got really, really big. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so changed the name to avoid any confusion. I've been under that name for the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. And so you joined us for our Drum and Bass 101 episode. Correct. Uh, geez, it's been a while now. Maybe a year a ago? Yeah, that was fun. And that was a lot of fun. We got a lot of positive feedback from that. A lot of people really enjoy those super, like, dig in and get nerdy yeah. kinds of episodes. Yeah, I did my best. That was... Uh, that was a really good time. I like talking about drum and bass. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've kind of, uh, you've, you've always been kind of, we were talking before the show, done, you know, multiple different genres and formats yeah. as a DJ. Yeah. And most recently, you've, you've kind of created a house moniker. What's, what's the story yeah, with that? I don't know. In the mid-2000s, I was DJing dance rock and block house and stuff. I've always been into everything. That was actually the reason why I chose the name Shapeshifter in the first place. Just because, you know, in the mid-90s, I was listening to Ministry and Das FX and, like, I mean, just, like, every disparate kind of music you could think of. And so when it came to DJing, I always wanted to try to do as, you know, as much as I could. But in the early days with vinyl, it was just too expensive to so do that. We've had a couple of people write in pretty recently, actually, talking about exactly that. Like, should yeah. I... Should I put everything under one umbrella or should I spread it out? What made right. you Ugh. decide to break that off? And are you still yeah, pursuing it's, that? It's tough because like, you know, I don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. But I also get really bored when I listen to like only one kind of music. Okay. So like on different days, I have different opinions on the whole thing. I go through different phases where I get really, really into house and techno for a while, and then I like either get burnt out or I just need something new. So I kind of am always like shifting back and forth between, you know, my aliases or however you want to put it. Are you all good? I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, so, so why, why house specifically? If you're kind of multi-format, why did you pick that and and why well, make it its own name? When I DJ non-drum and bass stuff, it's it's usually a mixture between house and techno. I mean, one of the main reasons is because in 2017, drum and bass, the market is like growing more and more niche. So it gets really frustrating to be buying a ton of records and writing music and having no outlet for it locally. Okay. Um, so, but you've kind of branded Mr. Shifter around those sounds. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I was a drum and bass DJ for most of my quote-unquote DJ career. So I kind of wanted to attach that name to my drum and bass output, 
and there was like some confusion when I would play house events or if people would see me on a, a flyer or a lineup, they like weren't sure what I was playing and it got a little bit, it got kind of weird. So I'm like, I have, if I'm going to be playing house or techno, I just would rather okay. perform under a different name to eliminate any confusion. And I also want to produce some house and techno on the side if I can. So that would just be a way for me to, to draw a line between the two things. So if you see a certain name, you like know what to expect. Yeah. Um, so, but, Trip, you know, Trip, do you want to speak to that? Because you, you've got a couple of different names going and have over the years, too, for, for similar reasons. Where you're, I mean, can you relate to what Jack's saying there? Where did you have a different Oh, no. There? I mean, that, that's exactly what happened with me. It was, it, you know, digital psychosis is where I started. And, you know, for the very beginning, it was booty house and house music. And then I found trance and, you know, and progressive. And that's where, you know, I stuck for, you know, quite a few years. But then as um, I started to wane out of that and then start getting into more like tech house and techno and, you know, more tribally, you know, types of sounds and stuff like that. Uh, and even dabbling into breakbeats and stuff. But, you know, what I was going to play just kind of depended on who booked me, what the night was about, where I fell in the lineup and all of that stuff. So it was like, you know, but digital psychosis was still on the flyer. So people were coming to see me. But, yeah, I got the same thing. Like, well, what right. are you going to play? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or I would still be getting in 2002, ah, you know, play silence, play silence. Right. Well, no, I'm here to play drum and bass exactly. tonight. <laughs> right. right. What's that? Right. Well, it's because, um, uh, so yeah, John had just said that he always books me as trip Turlington. And that's because I think it was around 2005 or six, I retired the name digital psychosis and then went strictly trip Turlington. But then as I started getting back into production, then I've got, you know, a bunch of folders that have different monikers that, you know, I, I, I do different projects under. In other words, I have a really bad multiple personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But, um, so, um, so no, I, I, I totally relate to that. Now, as far as playing out, like, you know, most of the time it's still just trip Turlington. Uh, but recently I've been telling people, if you want to book me for tech house or techno or, or progressive, something like that, then book me back under the digital psychosis name. So, okay. Yeah. And just one thing I want to touch on too, yeah. um, when certain people would see me out like DJing house or techno, I think some people got the impression that I was like. Uh, how do I word it? You know, like selling out yeah, kind of thing. Like, yeah, and I'm just like, I, I, I love the, any music that I DJ. I, I totally stand behind it and I love. Like I would never, you know, just jump on a bandwagon just to get a gig or, or something like that. Um, but like I said, in 2017 in Columbus, Ohio, you know, the drum and bass market, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. not in South London. So it's uh, it's extremely limited. So I have a lot more opportunities to play worthwhile gigs when I'm DJing house or techno. Um, and it's just a, a lot more rewarding in that sense. But I'd say like my production focus is like 90% on drum and bass. So, you know, it's, it's too bad that we, uh, Kilma can't get her sound input working because she went through this, almost the same exact thing, but her approach was she was a drum and bass DJ and then stopped it entirely uh -huh. and like reinvented herself as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so I would, yeah, maybe she can uh, submit something to, to tell us why she took that approach instead of, you know, splitting yeah. off. Yeah, there's no one right way to do it. You know, everyone's different. Everyone has different tastes. Right. But it's just kind of like what has worked for me. And uh, I don't know, keeps me happy. Everything okay over there, Mo? We got people chatting in the room? 
No, it's kind of ironic because Kilman just literally typed what you Did guys you? were saying right now. <laughs> you said it's interesting hearing D&B and then House and then Techno considering that she rebranded herself yeah. in that same similar fashion. So It's oh. a- another thing, too, just really quickly. It's kind of nice to have that flexibility, too, if you can play different types of music. Because sometimes you show up to a venue and, you know, it's just circumstances. Or, you know, when I played yeah. for you in Dayton... Um, I had it in mind that I was going to play drum and bass, but it was really, really early in the night, and I was worried that I was just going to like completely like kill the room, you know, mm-hmm. with just going way too hard at nine o'clock when people are just kind of like shifting into the venue. So, uh, in a lot of ways, it's nice to have that flexibility to play different styles of music. So. You know, kind of speaking to this shifting around of of branding and and approaches, uh, Mike. You've recently kind of—I wouldn't say rebranded volume, but kind of made some changes to to the way you run it. Um, what was the motivation behind that, and is it working? Um, it's kind of hard to say. Like, I guess the reason why I, the reason why I did it was just kind of timing. Like, uh, um, gosh, it's kind—it's of, kind of a tricky question. Um, I think I wanted to even simplify. I wanted to simplify it just a little more. Like I was doing a lot, the artist profiles, which I still want to, which I still want to incorporate, but I just, I think I just wanted to simplify it a little bit more. I don't think it needed to be volume deep house Fridays. I just needed to take it to volume deep. That's the hashtag. Mm -hmm. That's what people kind of refer to it as. I kind of just wanted to just strip it down to the bare, bare bones of it. And, Really, just wanted to simplify. So, Less is more. Yeah, yeah. What what was complicated about it? Was it the the approach and the the whole mechanics of it, or is it? Are you talking about like from a branding perspective? I think. Well, I I, I think. I kind of forced myself into. Fridays for Fridays, first of all, correct. Fair enough. But I mean, I think people were. I mean. Uh, the Todd Terry night, that wasn't a deep house night. I mean, that was just classic house night. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, I, think I, I think I can get away with calling it volume deep and still just kind of have it housey, jacking. I see. Okay. You know, just like that, yep. you know, just as opposed to calling it volume deep house Fridays. So he pigeoned his hole. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, he totally pigeoned his so, hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but, I, but I also had taken... Um, I had to cancel the Roy Davis Jr. show and had taken like six months off. And I kind of thought it'd be good to just kind of come out with kind of a refresher, kind of freshen it up a little bit. But I just was kind of going for a simplification of it. And and by doing so, that kind of loosens uh, your platform up a little bit. So like by just saying volume deep instead of you know, being deep house and Friday. So now you can go Saturday night or Wednesday night or whatever night you want. And you can still go deep, you know, with tech house or techno or house or whatever, you know, uh, obviously because there's a preconceived notion about a particular name of a style. Like when somebody, my version of deep house is different than your guys' version of deep house, probably. Yeah. And I, and I mean, First and foremost, I mean, I really love Deep House. We've talked about it, you know, yep. the sophistication of it, the, yep. the warmth of it, you know, all that stuff. But um, just a lot of the acts I've brought out. I mean, even my, the next volume deep is uh, Friday, September 15th with Gene Ferris. It's really kind of hard to say it's gonna be he's good. a Deep House. Right. But he's got his so much of his library is Deep House. But he, I mean, he can get techie. He can get 
dark, you know, it's, it's so it's like, let's just do this and, you know, kind of not leave it up to, hey, I thought this was a deep house night. Well, it is, but it, it isn't. There's so much more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I guess that's, I guess that's it. And I just kind of wanted to. Wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah. And for me personally, I just wanted to do a little less graphics. Like it was just getting, hard. <laughs> it, it was it was getting it was getting hard. Like to the, the graphics, just I mean, I don't want to say they make the show because they don't, but they they've become such a part Stable. of yeah. it. Yeah, know? like I didn't do the like for the Brett Johnson show, which is another guy that was. If you were at that show, he was so techy that night. Like there was so much acid and tech. There was like so much techno and house, and he was just. He was beautiful, but um, and you wouldn't want to bump that out right. because it's Deep House Correct. night. But uh, even leading up to that, I didn't do the two weeks away graphics, four weeks away, and someone at someone that night was like, "Hey, I was kind of looking forward to the four weeks away graphics," and I'm like, "Oh well, maybe I need to get back to doing that." But yeah, I think I wanted to simplify it, but who knows? Maybe I've made things more complicated because people keep asking me about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony and Billy with with three dimensional, they they kind of have have branded around this multi-genre big show kind of, you know, thing that they've got going on. And you've got the the niche, you know, deep dance music thing going on. And then John, you've got EDM Tuesday, which is like is it fair to say almost intentionally devoid of branding, right? Because it's kind of an open actually, format. Actually, yeah, specifically. Like I told Tony a long time ago uh, when I did EDM Tuesday, like I specifically didn't want to flyer it. I wanted it all yeah. to be word of mouth. I didn't want to charge. It was just... Actually, I would say that like out of the three of us like emerging and stuff, like we all have very specific models that don't... That not only don't interfere with each other, but it actually works in tandem with each other. Yeah. Um... You know, I do like the I do the weeklies for the local DJs to like get out of your basement, and get into the club. A lot of DJs are discovered at your night, right? Locally. Yeah, and then Mike does. You know, Mike does like these regionals that nobody really gets to see unless they travel. And I've I've always said this. I haven't told you this. I think Tony. I feel like Tony does like shows that you would see at a festival, but it's but you're not at a festival. Like yeah. big, right. awesome, yeah. huge. Yeah. Lots of lights, lot, like awesome. Like this shouldn't even huge, be like happening. Huge, yes, huge, yes. <laughs> in this right. town right. shows, yeah. Right. And 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 he's huge. like and huge, he, huge, huge, <laughs> huge. <laughs> he does like 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 one night, like five hours, six hours of like of of, of being at a festival where yeah. people like don't get to go, you know, and they and they don't pay like. 150 175 bucks they pay like a normal price you know like and he's also got air conditioning and bathrooms also <laughs> also really good point yeah and cryo. is that would you say that's that's yeah. at least an accurate sure description so if you take all those models there's i mean they can't interfere with each other yeah. i mean the only way they could is if is you're if, all doing something we're all the doing same night. same night which as i talked about last time i was here like what two three years ago yeah, like that used to happen yeah, so they all feed off of each other. They all feed off of each other. Yeah. Do you still have problems with that now, Tony? Do you end up like accidentally stepping on toes? And now that you you guys are throwing these really big shows that that have a gravitational pull from out of town, has that gotten more difficult? No, I no, because no. I try to reach out to everybody to make sure that you know when we get an offer for a date that nobody else is throwing anything at that time, and even if they are, sometimes there's no other chance or no other time we're going to get this offer again. So, you know, I, I do try to communicate with everybody. Yeah. And uh, Mike and I schedule, talk all the so. time. I know John's schedule, obviously it's every Tuesday and I've gotten many of DJs to open our shows from EDM Tuesdays. 
All right, I'm going to uh, take a break really quick from the conversation here because I uh, – what's up, Mo? I just have one comment. Uh, sure. We got Greg Lane. He says uh, he likes the topic because he just recently moved back to Mississippi and he doesn't have a lot of support and is looking to try and do like a quarterly thing to oh, where okay. it's all inclusive, uh, you know, that whole rising tide lifts all boats type deal. So That's kind of probably up your alley there. Yeah, Mike. Uh, write that in a question. What's that mean? Um, so are there struggles with throwing a show like that that doesn't have a regular cadence? In other words, it's not every Tuesday or it's not a big blowout one like festival style show. It's kind of whenever you are, you know, I mean, you space them out at a certain kind of rate, but yeah, he's more like lose the momentum. Yeah, he's more like the locomotive. I mean, you, you've got a schedule, but it, it's it's consistency that 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 power and that delivery and that branding, this the constant yeah. consistency. I guess I'm kind of having a hard time with the. So, yeah, the sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. I was just wondering if if you find it trouble to keep the momentum going without doing like a weekly or a biweekly or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, sure, that's there. I mean, there, there's that chance. Um, I mean, that's why I try to keep it every other month or, you know, or try to go at least worst case scenario quarterly f for a year. But, uh, and you have a strong online presence too, which helps. Correct. And, and there's a, there's a root, there's a, a root of a community there that, you know, kind of looks for, you know, the next volume and stuff like that. So, and they know it's, they know basically when it's coming, you know, a couple, eight, 10 weeks, but <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you could certainly. There's power and momentum. Yeah, you know, and if you say, lose that, I would say it's the opposite. I would say like I think I think doing it weekly, it's difficult to keep the momentum going because it's, it's it, too much of the same not thing. That the momentum or isn't too... there, but I think it's more difficult to keep the momentum going, like going weekly, than like than, hey, our next big show. I mean, there is value in making people wait for something that's good. Mm -hmm. There's a huge value. If they know that everything's happening on Tuesday, they're okay, something's happening on once a week. Then and that's why can... you wanted it to be free and everything, right. because it's always there, and you just know it's there. It's yeah. reliable. I mean, momentum is, is a lot hard to keep when you're just exposed to it, and it's reliable, and it's your routine, yeah. you know? So, But the problem with, you know, volume being every two to three months is another promoter could sneak in there you know, even, even out of town, <laughs> the sneaky what, promoter types. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it's possible, you know, someone yeah. can start a new night in between those eight weeks off and, you know, something could happen and you're like, Oh man, you know, that was pretty big what they're doing and people could forget about volume. So I think the younger generation myself really needs to see constant in their face, social media, everything is social media driven. And if you don't constantly see or your company is not constantly putting up posts, whether it be an article for something or, hey, check this song out or something, just some type of content coming from your brand, they, they tend to forget and go on to the next yeah. thing. It's yeah, very, very quick. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, the, the, I don't the want to call it ADD. Yeah, the attention yeah. span. Yeah, we'll call it the attention span. It, it's, if they don't see this constant, they're on to the next thing. And if they tend to attach to this next thing, you may lose them, you know? Mo, you and I went to breakfast today and we talked a little bit about this, how we're trying to figure out how to use things like Snapchat and Instagram stories and these kinds of content creation, you know, channels where the stuff goes away. 
or will only be seen by four or five people at a time. And, and it feels, you know, to people probably my age or older, it feels like you're kind of like you're wasting time because it's like I would rather be creating content forever. Yeah. And we talked about that micro content. And luckily, like I've said before, you know, I have teenage kids and they primarily use that as their means of communication through social media. Me, the 43 year old guy, I don't really think it's that cool for me to see, you know, put my uniform on, driving into gate, you know, but I don't know, maybe it works for some people. Maybe that's interesting because it's just little tidbits. And like you said, if they're only taking 10 seconds to see what's going on, then it's easier to digest where yeah, they don't maybe feel because like I'm older, I'm so attached to seeing something more significant. They're willing longer. to waste 10 seconds at a time rather than 30 minutes to figure out whether or not they like something that they're watching. Yeah. yeah and I agree because I've been doing little niblets like that, kind of testing it through Instagram. We're all like post pictures of me walking my dogs or I'll post pictures of me barbecuing and like, you know, 20 likes here, 30 likes there. So yeah. I think there's some legs to it. If you it's, look at some of our recap videos or anybody's recap videos for that matter, they're 30 seconds most, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. you go past that and people think, yeah. you think, well, thanks Caleb. Um, but let's drop the Sasha one in the show notes. By if, the way. Um, yeah, for sure. if you put it longer, 30, 45 seconds, people, they, their attention span goes and they don't want to watch Even it. They're on to the next thing. That little change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we had a minute, I think it was a minute and a half video and we narrowed it down to 45 seconds. It was an amazing video, but just nobody wants to watch a video that long. Yeah. yeah I want to get got- to the point and be done with it and on to the next thing yeah i've got some friends that run youtube channels and stuff like that and they all say the same thing that the average you know uh attention span is even for like things like uh tutorials where you know people are like going to try to learn something yeah if you if you if you don't have it you know compacted down into two minutes or less people that they don't they don't even watch most people don't watch the whole thing you know and a lot of channels like like facebook for example they start autoplaying the videos and they autoplay them on mute for obvious reasons. But then for us as DJs, it's like, okay, how do I, <laughs> how do I get my little <laughs> slice in there? You know, and it's, they're just going to scroll past it. And, you know, somebody would scroll past, you know, me playing on this booth right here and say, oh, okay, he's DJing and scroll past and might not realize, hey, that was cool music. Or, you know, it's just, there are unique str- struggles to people who are promoting audio, I think, <laughs> when it comes to social too. To go back to to volume real quick, um, like a lot of it's built and based around like me personally, you know, like Fridays work as selfish as this sounds, Fridays work best for me, you know, every other month works best for me. And hopefully that, that jives with, you know, my market and they're able to come. But, you know, um, I would actually like to do once a month, a monthly yeah, I, I really wish it could be that, but I just, I don't have the time or the resources. Um, but one of my favorite events was First Friday, always. I looked forward to that every month, and I think there was something about, hey, no matter what's going on, I know that First Friday, go out, good lineup. But what, what's so different for you guys, though, is you guys had the First Fridays, the one-offs, you know, that's, if I could just focus on every, you know, once a month, you know, I might be able to do something like that, but it's... Uh, but ultimately, it, the reason why I pick Fridays is it, it's hard for me to recover 
Like <laughs> I need Saturday and Sunday to recover. No if doubt. Some, no if doubt. I'm up till four or five, if, if if I'm up till four or five in the morning, you know, like on a Saturday, it's I'll feel it Monday when I get back to work. Yeah. And, Those cherry yeah, cokes I, kill you, don't yeah. they? <laughs> just, just staying up. I mean, shoot, it's hard, man. Well, Mo and I went out to uh, Tony and Billy's three-dimensional show last night. Well, you were there too, Mike. I was telling Mo earlier that I had two beers and I felt them this morning. I'm like, I can't, I can't even do it anymore. Like, I want to ask Tony about what he just said. Uh, was that exhausting for you? Last night? First Friday. Oh, first Friday's absolutely. Absolutely. Did you feel it like immediately? Were you like, this is this is a lot of work? Because you had other, you had well, we your irons. We started off with what, 818s? And two of those were therapies. So we had to bring in six 18s therapies every month. Venue. I don't mean I don't mean physically exhausting. I mean like every month we have to have this while you had other shit going yeah. on. Yeah, it was because you were still physically. doing the stuff you're doing now. Finding right. six artists right. to paint during the show. Oh god, uh, that's five right. different acts every month that are completely yikes different from different on. cities. And you still yeah. got yikes and snowed yeah. in. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. and putting yeah. the right people in the right slots for the show. Mm -hmm. to, it, it was, yeah, it was a lot so for two guys. A monthly. I didn't have to worry about one-offs. You know, I might be able to not get burnt out by it. Yeah. I feel like we haven't heard from Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a promoter. I was going to say. <laughs> I well, no, no, I was going to say because, yeah. I mean, for, for uh, you know, what we were talking about before with, uh, you know, the drum and bass market yeah. in, you know, the Midwest right yeah. now, it's, it, it is. It's becoming more niche. But it's tough. You've but been like, driving that yeah. in Columbus. Well, like, well, you and Cleveland the, and Cincinnati have both kind of like fallen off the map. Right. And me and my two other friends who make up Indirect Audio, our yep. promotional outfit. Yep. We like, we're like, man, if we don't do something, like, it's going to be gone. You know, like, and if we, yeah, in terms of drum and bass. I have so, a quick question about that. Yeah. It has, has the the younger generation that was into the dubstep and uh -huh. the trap uh -huh. has that crossed over? No, not no, at we've all. tried, you know, and like people have had these conversations with me, and I just I'm like I, I like I've tried everything. Um, we've co-promoted with my best friend's party. Wait, even with all this halftime yeah. drum and bass business yeah. going oh, on, yeah. it's well, still not. Here's the thing: like I've opened they my best friend's party is like the big EDM trap dubstep kind of outfit in Columbus, and yeah. they're good friends of mine, and they're really nice to have me open up a lot of their shows. Not a lot of their shows, but they've had me multiple times. And Nick Reed, um, the main guy behind it, he's super cool. He says, play whatever you want. So, you know, at first I'm like, do I have to play trap? Or, you know, because, like, I, I won't do that. You know, I, I got to kind of stay true to myself. So he's like, no, play whatever you want. But, you know, like, when I'm playing for primarily 21 to 25-year-olds, I can't, you know, like, they have no nostalgia. They have no nostalgia connection to any of the right. music I'm playing, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. So, like, classics just yeah. go, it has no connection with them. So, I kind of have to skew my selections to cater to them. And, you know, I go harder than I normally do. Um, you know, some of the drum and bass that I play is, is halftime. It sounds more like hip-hop. It sounds a little, little, you know, similar to trap. But they don't come out to our shows. Um, mm. Like we've tried to kind of pull them in, you know, under our wing and, and attract them to our shows, but it's just very segregated. Um, 
So, you know, for, for whatever reason, it just, it, at least in this area, it's not clicking with the younger crowd. It was, which was weird because like you yeah. and I played that show where we opened up for Datsik and yes. like, like that was, that was an amazing yeah. show yeah. because there were like a thousand kids right. who were there to see like hardcore yeah. bro step. Right? right. And, and Jack and I just had this entire place. Like kids were like yeah. hanging from rafters. Yeah, they were just straight going, up drum and bass and, just killed it. But then like. Over the course of the next couple of years, where we thought that crossover uh, was going to happen, right. and then all of a sudden it didn't, and right. that was that was yeah. a very weird thing because you would think that would be like a natural ev- evolution for these uh-huh. kids, especially as dubstep kind of right. waned and, and right. Has, yeah, has I thought evolved. so too. And yeah. people people brought that up. And the last Laboom show that I played, I opened up for Feed Me, and that was like maybe one of their biggest shows sure. like that I can remember. I I played for like they. They had to turn people away at the door. There was like 900 plus people like crammed into this bar. It was right. it was ridiculous, and like I played straight up drum and bass. They were just eating it up, like just head banging, going crazy, you know. But for whatever reason, when I'm playing my shows in Columbus, they don't right. come out. So you know, it's just there's other factors involved with venue selection and stuff too. Sure. So we're starting to throw some of our newer shows at the same venue where a lot of the EDM shows are happening at Scully's in Columbus, okay. where we were doing our drum and bass shows at a small bar, and it was hard to pull them to that venue. Did that? So venue does play a role into it too. Right. Uh, so all that that you talked about yeah. about the the state of drum and bass, yeah. at least around here. Yeah. Did that factor in at all to to uh, the Jackie Boy alias and, yeah. and all that? Well, a little bit. I just, you know, I said earlier, like my option. Like, I'm one of the only people throwing drum and bass events in Ohio. So, and the other thing is, I don't like to put myself on my own lineups. Like, I just, mm. you know, some promoters feel differently about that. Like, I just, I kind of would rather give the spotlight to other people. I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back, but you know, I just, I. I think it's a little weird when promoters put themselves on almost every show. It just yeah, I've heard both know, sides of that I argument. Mean, like, I'm yeah, I was going to say, I've done it for years, but I'm I mean, I get it. To, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just... Some people just aren't Not a knock against people who do. It's just sure, a personal sure. choice. Of right, right. So, um, so my, you know, when I'm one of the only people throwing the drum and bass events, you know, I, I'm only playing maybe a, a couple times a year, and it just gets really, really, really frustrating not having an outlet. I'm spending a ton of money on records. Yeah. I'm, you know, creating music. I'm we can all music. verify that. Yeah. Yeah. We follow you on your social media channel. Right. pent up frustration. Like, God, I've got to play for people. So, um, but, you know, when I play drum and bass events in Columbus, it's the same 25, 35 to 45 year olds. You know, they're all just kind of like stroking their beard. They've seen me like a million times over the years, you know. And then when I play, it seems like when I play house and techno shows, everyone's dancing and the vibe is so much more receptive. And, you know, just for whatever reason, the drum and bass shows are a little more just super laid back. Um, You know, so. Which is kind of the antithesis to the the mood of the music. Say again. Well, I'm gonna hand this right back to you, but but we're okay. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's no, good. Not. Ask your question, asshole. <laughs> uh, the other guy that was supposed to be here, Steve, he had always told me. Uh, he told me this back in like 2008. He took me to see Phantom 45, and that was my first, not just drum and bass show. That was the first time I ever heard 
drum and bass ever. And I was like, what is this thing in my ears that is amazing? Right. And, um, and it was packed. It was huge. Uh, and he said, drum and bass historically always exists on a wax and a wane. Yes. And at that time, and this was again, 2008, it was, it was clearly on, on its peak. And then, and then, it, and then it dropped. It and, the, then it, right. and then it hasn't been up really since. I want to know, like, what if you if you guys agree, and if so, like, what, why did that happen? Why has it not come back? Uh, just real quick, I want drum and bass shows for EDM Tuesday. Real quick, I, I got to say that probably fits the description. Or most genres would fit into that yeah, same description, uh, right? Like, yeah, the cycle. absolutely. All genres of music have gone through different phases, ups and downs. Like he mentioned, two thousand eight. Like. I think it was maybe like 2006, 2007. I just had gotten really burnt out on drum and bass. It got really formulaic. It just kind of was at a low point in the overall like 20 or so years, you know, that it's been around. And so that was like when Bloghouse and, you know, the Ed Banger stuff was just like blowing, blowing up like crazy. And I was just like, I'm going there. And like the first couple of shows I, I was DJing dance rock and Bloghouse and stuff, I had you know when mastercraft was like you know mm -hmm. coming out at the time like i never had so much fun oh, DJing yeah. for crowds like everyone was just like you know going absolutely berserk and so i took quite a few years off from drum and bass in that time period just because and then i came back to it i just you know blog house kind of had its run of like four or five years and then i felt like drum and bass kind of was like back on the upswing there was some new trends coming out at the time and there were some like fresh sounds at the moment. Some new producers came around to like inject some life into the genre. I'm like, Oh, I like this. And so I kind of went back to it. Um, so, so I, I'm, I'm going to, um, I, I'm going to make you blush here and say <laughs> that you're uh, one of the best drum and bass producers I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. So oh, when it comes to, to production, yeah. Do you see these these same kind of trends that you're describing in the local scene, and as when it relates to you as a DJ, do you see that in a global sense? Because you've had uh -huh. releases on labels, yeah. all around, right? Do does the local scene seem to follow the same kind of wax and wane trends, well, or is it vary in London versus here? Or? Since I'm kind of like controlling or curating the local scene, it's you know it's. It, I, I kind of play a role. And you're like, biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I am and I'm not. Like, I've always been kind of into everything. Like, even with drum and bass, like, my early drum and bass days, I was just, like, playing, you know, really hard, dark stuff. And then in the early 2000s, I started playing, you know, soulful drum and bass. So, I, like, I, I'm not discriminatory when it comes, you know, drum and bass is kind of a unique genre. And, like, it has, like drastically different you know i know house has like deep house and jack and house and disco house swing house you know yada 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 but drum and bass has like drastically different cutoffs and i've always kind of been into all the different styles so um really when it comes to like curating the shows locally it really honestly comes down to what tours are coming through at the moment like i can't really pick and choose who i i mean i can to a degree but i have relationships with the booking the u.s booking agents for you know large groups of drum and bass djs and they just email me on a regular basis you know in the next couple months so and so and so and so and so and so is going to be coming through do you want any of these guys mm -hmm. and then i have to factor in can i afford this guy you know, and, and other factors. So I don't know if I got off the rails with the question, but <laughs> um, uh, 
Yeah, I, was just, I might have. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of wondered if that, if all that. So, do, you, do when you're producing drum and yeah. bass, oh, okay. does it does it follow the same kind of trends when it comes to popularity and um, you know which style? Like, does it affect the, the stuff you produce, the local scene? To a degree, yeah. Not the the local scene doesn't at all okay. really. It's more of like the global kind of trends right. that, and not that I try to hop on trends or anything like that. But I also want to make music that's going to be recepted well you know what i mean like i'm wondering if drum and bass has this issue globally instead of just here and and i keep hearing this mm -hmm. over and over again mm -hmm. from other people so yeah. it, it seems that it's kind of universal yeah well unless I'd say, you're in london yeah right <laughs> in, in, in the last like three yeah. In the last like four or five years drum and bass has taken kind of a drastic shift towards halftime drum and bass mm -hmm. which is you know drum and bass is 174 beats per minute you know can, can i ask you a question yeah is that just like cheating and not calling it dubstep no because yeah. dubstep is 140 beats per minute right <laughs> so a lot of people get that twisted yeah, yeah i absolutely. mean it's pretty much straight up hip-hop right okay. i mean if you double is that just cheating and not calling it hip-hop no because because there are production techniques involved, especially when it comes to the bass lines. Mm. Um, and just, I mean, there's obvious similarities between halftime drum and bass and hip hop, but, you know, it, it doesn't sound like something out of New York or LA typically. You yeah. know, it, it mainly has to do with the bass lines and the production techniques that, that, make it a little different if that makes sense yeah, yeah and so. plus the less focus on the the vocal delivery right absolutely of hip -hop, I yeah 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 i mean it's almost not that that's not there there are there are, there are yeah. vocal tracks but um you know it's 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 very similar to to uh like to instrumental hip-hop well like if, if instead of saying is it just cheating and not calling it hip-hop if you just said grime then you'd had a, a little bit more of a foundation to stand on because I mean yeah. that whole grime UK like yeah. hip hop scene, uh -huh. a lot of that is rooted with with the beats sounding a lot more like the halftime yeah. uh, drum and bass than it does our version of hip hop. Right. Well, and, you know, Tony and I we've talked about this too when it comes to techno and tech house and progressive house. How those sounds, you know, today's techno is a, a whole lot like the progressive house of progressive, ten years ago yeah, or so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and now, I mean, drum and bass, you know, the halftime stuff is kind of like, I mean, it's it's still having its run or whatever, but now you're just getting into, like, all kinds of blurry genre yeah. lines, and I kind of like that, um, just because I think there's uh, a market for, like, any kind of style um, within drum and bass, so it, it's all kind of still relevant. Like, you can still make soulful drum and bass, you can yeah. still make really techno-y drum and bass, you can make the hip hop sounding drum and bass like there's it's still all supported yeah. just some people like it all some people only like certain styles so it just kind of depends on the audience but when it when it comes to my personal productions it just like it 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 varies wildly like if you go to my soundcloud page like it's kind of all over the place and uh it's not really like a conscious decision it's just like some nights when i sit down I'll find like a sample or I'll just start messing with some drums and I'm just like, whoa, okay, I guess I'm going here. You know? How do you right. sit down and not create trance? Because that's what keeps happening to me for some reason. <laughs> it just comes out. Uh, I can't help you there. I haven't figured that just, out yet. Uh, turn off the arpeggiator. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, real quick, I want to get this announcement in because this is, this is big for me. Before we do that, Mo, do you want to go ahead and uh, announce the next poll? All right. Um, actually just sort of created this one based okay. on some of the feedback that's coming through. 
true, and this is coming as a result of, where we go? Ah, whatever. The question is, um, what type of uh, music would you like to see another 101 Dive episode into? Because mm -hmm. based off what Jack said yeah, here, oh, there's a like lot of people one of wanting to know a little bit more about, we said, house, mm -hmm. techno, uh, hip hop slash rap, trance, and other. Right now, okay. house is in the lead. As it should be. House is in the lead. Okay. Yeah. I've got two of those secretly in the works, but none of them, they're, they're both more specific than that. So okay. that'll be very revealing to, to see where to aim next. Cool. So, so, I'm so, looking forward to that. Yeah. And I, I so I had a question. Uh -huh. Um, for Jack, um, because of the DNB episode that, that that we did, you know, we we approached it and tried to market it as a 101. Here's your primer, and you know, I think we had a lot of really good conversation. And I, as much as I love drum and bass, I learned a lot from uh -huh. it. Um, but it had a certain element of controversy to it once that episode went live yeah. within the drum and bass community. Uh, I mean, if you do a house one, you do any genre, you're going to have people, oh, this was the first person to do this and that. <laughs> oh, and like I had Facebook messages. I'm like, it, so that, oh, that stuff gets so subjective. So yeah. that's my question yeah. for you is that um, – it, what were the so I know that there were a lot of people on on like different social media outlets mm -hmm. that were like ah oh, you forgot blah 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 and you right. forgot blah 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 like right. one of the biggest ones was like people were complaining AK a lot it, well it, that oh. you focused on uh, a lot of AK twelve hundred but uh -huh. uh, left out Soul Slinger Soul Slinger I knew that, you were gonna say so so was there I mean other than we were just trying to, you know, collect some information to, to introduce it to the person who knows right. nothing about drum right. and bass. But was there a, a particular reason that you leaned more one way than, than the other? With or? that particular subject? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not I mean, it's really just based on, on facts. Sure, I, sure. I mean, Soul Slinger was instrumental. And I'm not going to, like, wax poetic about that right now. Right, right, right. But, right. like, you know, Soul Slinger was instrumental into bringing drum and bass over to the United States from overseas. But, um, you know, if you want to go back in, to the episode and listen to it, you know, I'm not going to reiterate it right now. Right. Episode right. 34. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mo it, didn't even look that yeah. up, by the way. AK 1200. <laughs> he just. Right. But, you know, I'll just leave it as like it's subjective. Like, sure. There's sure. not one right or wrong answer. They and, were both uh, instrumental in bringing it over here. Right, also, right. it's like. And I don't like, you know, some people like to obsess over details like that. Oh, yeah. I'm not really like a, a debater. You know, I just. But you know what I, I got to say? I, I did see where uh, Dara mm -hmm. totally like just confirmed it. He like, had my back. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's from New York where Soul Slinger's from. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, if, if Dara yeah. can listen to an episode yeah, and, yeah. and, and yeah. totally validate everything and tell everybody just shut yeah, up. He sent me a message good. on Facebook <laughs> gave me like the thumbs up. And, That's right. I mean, you know, it, there's so much more stuff that could have been crammed into there. Right, right. But you, you got to like parse, you know, you got to like have some brevity and – well, you know, sure. You can't have like a six-hour episode. Yeah, I was going to say, what, <laughs> what do you want for an hour long show? Like the main yeah. points. Yeah. Um, and that's a genre that's relatively young too. Yeah. You know, as compared to like house and techno, where you've got like a whole nother like ten years or so. Right. Um, and a whole lot, you know, more history and key players. You've got Detroit and Chicago and. You know, yada yada yada. Yeah, so yeah. I don't envy whoever has to explain that. <laughs> 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 but 
Okay, for those who are listening to the live stream, I wanted to uh, make sure that you guys saw that there is a question box, and we're going to be spending uh, the last 30 minutes or so of the show today answering any questions that are in there. So make sure that if you have anything you want us to answer, whether it's a technical question, uh, what, what, anything, just something for fun, whatever you got, post them in there, and uh, Mo will pick some out for us here at the end, and, and we'll read them. Yeah, they're starting to stack up. We've cool. got nice. about one, two, about six so far, okay. so keep them coming, folks. So here's our first big announcement coming uh, probably by the time this will be published. It's not up for the live stream listeners yet, but by the time this will go live on, I think the 17th is our published date for this episode. I believe so. We will be launching the Passionate DJ Store. Finally. I've been working on this for literally years. (laughs) Mouth pads. (laughs) (laughs) Not for nothing. Coffee mugs. Bring them on. That's right. That's right. The circle logo helps. Um, By the way, this is largely thanks to you, Mike, because your designs are all over this stuff. Nice. Uh, Obviously, the shirts we're all wearing right now, for those of you in the stream, you can see them right now. This was designed by Mr. Mike Donovan. Well done. And I've got a whole uh, line of like custom designs, too, not just logo stuff. And so I've got a couple examples here. (laughs) This here is called Moonlighting. That's my favorite. <laughs> so, are you able to see that in the stream, Mo? This way? Hold this. Okay. And uh, so, basically, the idea here is uh, this started out as another shirt, which I'll show you in a moment. But the designer came up with this, and I liked it so much that I kept it too. And it, it has a, for those who are listening at home, it's got a uh, a moon cut out that looks kind of like a spinning record, and it's got the, uh, what's arm. the word? Tone arm, thank you. Tone arm and everything, and then you've got a uh, pair of lovers sitting here in the water, oh, or in front of the water. Yes, it's lovers. All right, let's moving on. Invited this guy. Moving right along. Who invited Ron Torpel? David's going to describe what we're looking at. Well, the people listening at home, the hundreds listening at home, aren't going to see the video stream. So, <laughs> screw them, right? Don't you mean thousands, David? <laughs> the thousand thousands. All right, here's the next one. This one's all about hip-hop. So on, nice. on the left, we've got the, hit, uh, the knowledge, and on the right, we've got the movement. It describes hip and hop. This was inspired by a uh, KRS-One song. Nice. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Cool. And then this is the actual, now John's going to make fun of me again because the actual word's in it. Deep House is for Lovers. So this is another no, similar design with the yeah. <laughs> got the lovers in the canoe and the uh, uh, backdrop looks like a sky, but it also kind of doubles as a looks like a record. So awesome. And then uh, this one's kind of my favorite. So you guys have seen like the uh, the the coexist like bumper yeah, sticker with all the different yeah, symbols. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my version. Oh, so this cool. Is USB from, symbol, headphones, record. CD player, turntable, laptop. I'm narrating this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, you got And it. is that a 303 pair, pair or a 909 or something? Pair of controllers. What's the T? Controllers. Oh, okay, yeah. DJ controllers. Yeah. Oh. So uh, for those listening at home, it's kind of similar to the coexist, you know, symbol, bumper sticker, whatever it is, but better because it's all oriented around yes. uh, multi-format DJs. Can you give it to the guests so that way yes. we can get a good screenshot of that? <laughs> Namaste. Just hold it up. Yeah, and know that it's not a pea bottle, Kilma. 
<laughs> that thing keeps creeping me out. <laughs> Asking Chad what he's drinking urine. <laughs> That's great. Is that Kel? No, it's Kel that said that. Uh, oh, there you go. Very nice, very nice. Cool. And then, of course, we'll have all the you know, passionate DJ logo merch and all that fun stuff. Even a hoodie, which I'm I haven't even gotten that one yet. I'm looking forward to that one. Dope. So cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, great design. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, boys. And then, uh, besides the merch, that's not the only thing. You'll actually be able to do all of your uh, basic DJ shopping on there. Whether you're looking for controllers, mixers, any kind of hardware, all that fun stuff, headphones, it'll all be there. So check it out. Awesome. Buy my stuff. Buy my stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, to kind of reel this back into specifically into DJing a little bit, um, there are so let's talk about the struggles of being a DJ and a parent at the same time. Oh my god! Because that's right. relevant to about half of us. <laughs> I'm gonna be over here. <laughs> hey, will you give me a beer while you're at this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me roll up my sleeves for this section. All right. Um, Mike, so Mike too. You would be our. I don't know if newest parent is the way to say it, but Am I? you have the freshest baby, right? Uh, I do have a six-month-old. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have. Oh, beer for me. Or is that for you? Thanks. Um, just urine. Just, just urine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how how is that, or uh, has it affected your output and your drive? Everyone's and... situation with that is different, obviously. Yeah. I have a very cool and understanding wife who knows that I'm passionate about music, and but it's just a constant struggle's the wrong word, but it just it really takes uh, dedication, know, dedication, yeah, time yeah. management. Um, actually just listened to a really cool podcast um maybe i can find it and you can put it in the show notes but it is specifically it was a podcast um by a guy named resound and the podcast was specifically about time management and procrastination with djing and it okay. it tied into a lot of things in, involved with parenting and um so just in the last couple months i've read some audiobooks um on similar subjects, almost like self-help kind of stuff, just to like keep my head right and to find ways to balance everything yeah. and not go crazy. So, you know, I typically do most of my music stuff once my wife and kids go to bed, like around okay. 30 or nine. Yeah. And, um, luckily my wife is just like passed out, you know, after a long day of taking <laughs> care of the baby. So like, sure. I don't feel guilty. Quote, luckily my wife is passed out. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel guilty about like locking myself in my quote unquote studio and working on music instead of like watching, you know, a show with her or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we find our, you know, during the weekends, during the day, we go to the park, we do sports stuff together with our kids. Like, right. It's you know, all about balance. You still yeah, got It's you just gotta... all about balance. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't just like overwhelming and, yeah. and exhausting at times. Like last night, I was trying to finish a new track. And I literally was up until four in the morning. And I used to be able to do that, like, with ease. And, like, at 38 years old, like, I'm, like, it, it just in the last couple of years, that's, like, drastically changed for me. Where I used to be a night owl. Now, like, at 9 o'clock mm. or 10 o'clock, I'm, like, 
I really want to work on, you know, I really want to finish that track I started the other night. Yeah, this is my time and I can't even do it. Yeah, right now. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I got to go to bed because tomorrow I'm just going to be like, you know, I'm going to feel horrible and I, I'm going to have no energy. Yeah. So, you know, and in, um, I go through phases too where earlier in the year, um, you know, I busted out like four or five tracks um, along with my DJing, but I had to take like two, literally like two months off where I had no desire to work on music. And I had respected record labels like emailing me like, hey, yeah. you got any tunes? And I'm just like, mm. you know, like I'm wasting these opportunities. Like, what are you doing? But like if the, the passion isn't there yeah. and the energy isn't there, I can't sit down and work on music. Yeah. It's just it, it, I just I was I it was just like mentally it. drained. Yeah. And then but the cool thing is and I, I've I've read read some things on this is like you know, it's like recharging a battery. And like I, when I take the time off, I come back energized and I come back excited. And um, that's good because I lose momentum. Yeah. I, I wish that I felt energized. But uh -huh. I, like it's, when it comes produ to production specifically, yeah. like I, think I, it's I break really the cycle important. and it's it's gone for uh -huh. a while. For me, like I think that's going to be like a regular thing for me. Like um, I'm just I used to produced with a partner years and years ago and so just for the last couple of years i'm doing everything by myself so it's a little bit different but i'm like kind of trying to find like my way and how i go about doing things but i think like that's going to be a regular thing that i do where i kind of just unplug for a while and gather momentum and ideas and excitement and then i come back and i just kind of like work at a fever pitch and i just boom 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 knockout music that way and who knows it, it, it may change but that's kind of like how it's working for me um but yeah family life is uh you know i that's number one on my totem right, pole right. like i can't neglect that i have three kids i have a wife like that always has yeah. to be above music no matter what right um and i run a business too i mean like i'm it's really really tough i, I run a medical business so um it's just uh you know, like I said, nighttime is kind of, you know, usually between like nine o'clock and like one or two in the morning. I try to like get as much as I can done. Um, yeah. And that's that's what I'm doing. Mike, when you were here last time, we called your episode uh, the eighth day of the week. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that Perfect. still still yeah. how it feels? And, yeah. and have you kind of I think Trip wanted to ask something about this. Uh, have uh, you still found the time? Uh, yeah. Have you are you still finding the time on the eighth day of the week? And then. You know, you're also a DJ. Correct. And now, um, you know, so are you finding the ninth day of the week in order to, <laughs> like, you know, be able to DJ and to, you know. Because you have young kids, too. And yeah, and, and to get out there and, and, and still be able to play other shows. The, the reason why I always say the eighth day of the week is because, it, really, it's just, I get so tired of hearing people say, I'm busy. I'm busy. It's like, well, me, too. Right. We are <laughs> all yeah. oh, yeah. busy. Oh, all yeah. of us. Yep. You know, we got to fit this in. We got to fit the club life in. We got to fit the the leisure. You're, you know, the leisure hours in. We're we're all busy. So that's really kind of how it is. You know, I, it, Jack and I. We've talked about this before. We could write the same pages to the same book because our our lives are so similar in terms of we both. I run a small graphic design firm out of my home. We have small children. You know, but. It, um, we're both very good-looking men, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but like for for me, all of this it's about defining who I am as a DJ and being okay with that. Like there was my prime, and it was 
early 2000s up through there where it was just getting right. booked all the time. Yeah. Several. Yeah. Yeah. When you say prime, prime amount of bookings or Cor- prime correct. level in, in of skill. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. yeah, I mean, because back then it was a very different scene in this region. I sure. mean, not just here in Dayton, but in the region, you know, so we're talking, you know, a five to seven hundred party, uh, a five to seven hundred person party was pretty average to small whereas you know all of your bigger lineups i mean if you had more than two national headliners or international headliners it was nothing to fill a place with a thousand to two thousand kids you know so you know back then that's when we were all at our prime because you you could be playing indianapolis cleveland pittsburgh columbus uh, Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, Louisville, Lexington. I mean, you name it anywhere in, throughout the Midwest. I mean, we were all over the place. And, uh, you know, so yeah, back then, I mean, and it was nothing to be playing three, four times exactly. a week. Yeah. I mean, it, it, especially locally, you know, we'd have night owl on Tuesdays. Right. And, Fight out. And then uh, <laughs> Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, I think there was something in Cincinnati on Wednesdays. Yeah, I, I actually had, I had a uh, residency in Cincinnati at a club called 1200, I think, I, I think, um, I, Edson Xavier was involved in that. This was years ago and I would travel to Cincy every Wednesday night, loved it. Nice little night. Mm-hmm. And then Fridays would be a pre-party somewhere. Saturday would be something. So there were months that I would play multiple times in a week. And now it's just kind of like, I know who I am as a DJ. You know, I, I think when I say in my prime, that's in terms of notoriety and, and playing out like the amount of playing out. But I think in terms of DJing, I'm, I'm DJing the best I've ever DJed in my life now. I think I have an understanding of it, a little more thoughtful, uh, a little more of a patient DJ. But, uh, but so it, me being okay with where I am in terms of DJing, like I'll talk to a promoter and they'll say, well, you ever played this kind of event? Have you ever played out before? And I'm just like, no, no, nope, never. No, that's okay. Uh, pick someone else. Um, but, you got to stop doing that, John. But it's like, uh, so, you know, I've kind of defined who I, I understand who I am as a DJ right now. So that makes the family life a little bit easier. But, you know, I've, my, I, I met my wife in 2001 right after 9-11. So she kind of saw the peak of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim yeah. peered into the, you know, she would go out from time to time and she enjoyed house music. She, she still does. So she, under, she knows what this means to me. You know, so if it's like, hey, I'm DJing here. I'm, I got a chance to throw this show. So I always get the green light from my wife. Um, and Gina's awesome. Both Gina's are awesome. Yeah, I was just going to say, I could, I could totally piggyback off of that yeah. because, like, you know, I think a common thread there is that we all have very supportive spouses. Yeah. You know, the rave thing was never my Gina's thing, like, at all. Like, yeah, so, right. you know, for but she, she saw that very early on for me that, you know, the writing music and the DJing and all of that stuff, that's been an integral part of my life for a couple of decades plus. So, you know, but, and she sees how that is a, you know, that's a force that is fed in, in my life that, you know, I don't get from anywhere else. Like I, I have my family life, which is always paramount, like Jack said. And, you know, so for me, you know, family life, fulfills a, a part of me and then there's my professional life that fulfills a part of me and there's something in this music thing that was turned that switch was turned on years and years and years ago and it's never faded for me so i still feel that and and my wife sees that and she's very supportive in all of that good, Mo. and personally 
if it wasn't for that beautiful young lady right over there <laughs> you feel like who had bought about? me a mixer for my birthday <laughs> no. about six years ago, um, my life would be a lot different right now because she gave me the ability to reach back into something that woke up a passion that I forgot that I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a choice to become a parent right. roughly 18 years ago. And uh, about four weeks, that young man's going to start playing college football. And um, like I said, if it wasn't for her, I probably would have forgot about that part of my life. Let's so. get a round of applause for I love Mel you. Dingo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to piggyback off trip really quick, um, I have a similar situation where my wife didn't come up with the rave scene. She didn't go to Same. clubs. So, you know, my situation is unique. You know, other some people have everything in common musically. They go to parties or they go to events with their wives like my wife is completely removed from everything i do musically not to say she doesn't support it because she totally yeah, does right exactly but for Minus me two. it's really nice that it gives me that space um yeah. and i think that's one of the things that really helps me personally navigate this whole thing because when i go out djing or when i'm doing music like i just that's my space you know to yeah. to get away and i think that's healthy you know to have have your own space oh yeah the the hard part for me though was like when me and gina first got together Uh, i kept trying because i was like uh, if you just come out right right right. i never did that if you if you just (laughs) try it just see what it's all about (laughs) and because her and i bonded over hip-hop right Uh, like underground and and indie hip-hop and stuff so like and i'm all like no but if you see this and like if you just give it a try and Uh like every time i turn on drum and bass she starts to cringe a little bit like (laughs) she's okay with house and techno but like Uh you know sure Sure. I mean, like, yeah. My my wife has n- no no interest. About, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, maybe not even no interest, but she just it's she, she has no idea probably even what it is. Right. Right. I mean, and yeah. we've been married for eight years or so. She yeah, just yeah. like completely like I said, she's so happy when I tell her that things are going well or I yeah. got a certain record deal yeah. or something like. She, but um, for me, it's just I, I really enjoy that because before my wife, I was going to like every show and nightclubs with my with my girlfriend at the time, and I just. When I'm out, I want to make connections. I yeah. want to, you know, yeah. like I, I don't want to have to. Babysit's the wrong word, but you kind of get the idea yeah. of like what I'm trying to say. Like I just, I love that music is my space to kind of do what exactly. What I want. And that was that was a conversation that me and Gina had at some point where she was just like, you know, it's okay. We can still do yeah. things right. separately, Absolutely. and that's your thing, and I have had that my same thing. conversation. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, so then I, I just. Like, yeah, I'm not married. I don't have kids, but like, I, mean, I, I absolutely relate to all this. Like, <laughs> I, I just have to say, like, I'm like, all everyone's talking about this, and I'm like, yeah, Trace is the, it's the same way. I, yeah. I know, I, mean, I know she's, I know she's watching. Right yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's and really, it's she's really, absolutely the same way. It's like, yeah, hey, you're good, and right. she'll come out. She it, right. That's time. what I was gonna say. That's not to say that Gina won't come out because right, right. she would like she and came. You know, she came time. out for DJ Craze nine months pregnant. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Like, that's but a I mean, real like, woman what, right what, there. What Jack, what Jack was saying. She wouldn't like, plow the fields really the next day too, right? <laughs> is what Jack was saying. Right, that's right. that's me. She's like, yeah, it was, you know, separate space is important. Yeah, acknowledgement yeah. of that, and then but like, support. You want to do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be in a relationship like with a lot of trust. Not that you have a lot of trust but you know, well like, but it's like i know how that is i know how you feel about it i may not necessarily be into it but i'm also not putting any sort of negative judgment on right, it right. you yeah. do you and i'm just gonna go and i'm gonna do me while you be you so yeah, yeah. And, and as anything, long as you're both okay with that it works yeah right, and right. trace does that so yeah. 
Yeah, and if I, anything, I, I like. Man. I didn't want to be the one asshole here who's just. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, fuck it, fuck you, married, <laughs> fuck you, married guys with kids. Yeah, no, I mean, be, even uh, like for me, like Gina is always, you know at least just poking me a little bit, you know, because like I've got, you know, in my studio, I've got uh, frames of all of the things that I've had released on labels and I've got one empty one and she keeps poking every so often. Like, Hey, you still got one empty frame. You still got one empty frame. (laughs) And uh, you know, like you said earlier for me, it's been a while, you know, because once you have that baby, Uh you know, and, and everything changes, you know, and so trying to find that balance, trying to find yeah. that time. Uh-huh. I'm only just now starting to get back into it. And that right. kid will be two in October. So. <laughs> One of the other things that I really wanted to touch on is, you know, like was mentioned a few minutes ago. I, I don't have any like regrets. Like in my 20s, I DJed my ass off. Yeah, right. I, I DJed at raves, you know, like I. I, I did the damn thing. So like now everything is kind of just gravy. Mm. Not to say I'm not motivated, but like that there's some comfort in that, that um, re- now music for me, is just like a creative outlet right. first and foremost. Right. Right. So like I'm content just like writing music and like if nothing happens with it, like I'm cool with that. Or right. like, you know, it, it ties in with DJing too. Like I could just like do mixes and listening to music um, and and I feel like that's kind of nice. Like I don't feel like I have to prove myself. So um, I think that's also something that helps me balance everything. Yeah, like I don't feel like I have to blow up. You know, I I, I right, don't yeah, have to be the right. next EDM guy. You know, like I can. It, I just love music and I'm happy doing music. And if I get a record deal or if. Uh, if something cool happens, like that's all just awesome. But it's right. Not, it's like, that sense of accomplishment when that it. happens, yeah, but it's I, not that your world revolves yeah, around. I think it, yeah. a lot of DJs really struggle with, you know, craving acceptance and, and adoration. Yeah. And that can be really, really dangerous when you don't yes. receive that. It, it becomes depressing and you feel like you're, you're not doing things the right way. And, you know, if you're not blowing up or you're not playing bigger shows, you're a failure. Right. You know, there, I, there's I, a John Chapel quote about this. It, it becomes a, it comes one big I'm famous in Dayton, Ohio fest. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> what you said. In our first, I said, what? what? You said something about <laughs> that, that when you were here the first time yeah. on the show. You, you said it, it becomes this big popularity contest of who's the biggest yeah, no, that's, in Dayton or wherever but again, you are. When last time I was on here, a, I was talking about uh, a situation that was yeah. like it, it's non-existent anymore. But yeah, it's but about want- like it's about like um, I mean it, to give an example, it'd be like some kid comes in, plays a show, then plays another show, and then suddenly they're like they're at such a more or less boring point in their life, and and they see oh look, this is happening. I want to achieve that. Mm. What they don't realize though is that like. You know, it's just it's it's just Dayton. We're just doing we're just kind of doing what we love. This isn't right. this isn't for right. fame, you know. And, yeah. and it's like, and, and it's like this this isn't for fame. And and uh and, and that's what because you said earlier something about Cincinnati being like off like just off with drum and bass. Correct. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's what I was gonna say is because I was like, yeah, I I remember telling both David and Tony a long time ago. How did Dayton get to a point where we are throwing shows where we're getting Cincinnati kids in here 
and Cincinnati isn't doing anything. Isn't doing anything. And I'm not, and I'm not super not even knocking Cincinnati at all because Cincinnati and Dayton have always had like a super good relationship. (laughs) And Columbus has had a good relationship with us too. Really quick, like it's a freaking grind to promote electronic music events. Yes, you you know that's a big part of it. That Tony, (laughs) yes, nail on the head. (laughs) Right, but you know some promoters fall off, and like that's why, man. Like some people don't realize how much work is involved. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't throw shows anymore. I mean, I I I threw shows for uh, a decade plus with uh with my buddy Jason uh, Naughty Groove, um and and yeah, I mean it's it's a thankless job. There's not a whole lot of money in it, and even when you have like the the big one, well then it's like you know then everybody's either trying to knock you off of some you know pedestal that they think you're on and by outdoing you, or uh you know there's always inner crew drama and stuff like that, and it just I don't know. It, it, it the juice. I, I like. I love this line from from a movie. The juice just wasn't worth the squeeze. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real quick, if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you about what uh, John about what Jack was just saying. Um, you, you said something about uh, you kind of have accomplished what you set out to accomplish as a DJ. Is it okay if I ask you about that, John? Because we talked a little bit about this at Stanton Warriors. Do you remember that conversation? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Ask that again. So I, I'm just curious. You, you said to me... <laughs> Shut up, Mo. <laughs> you said to me, this might be my... Last I you, show. Last said, show. Yeah. This will be my last show because, because I, all I've set out to do... I told Tony that when he booked me for... Uh, for um, well, I've had too much uh, Stanton Warriors. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I said that to you at the Stanton Warriors. What I'm talking about, the first show, I said I want to play with, with two people. And it, one of them was Stanton Warriors, mm-hmm. and the other one was... Uh... Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Paris Hilton. I, I hate you so much right now. Uh, in the bathroom but, of a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> On Sunday. You had that in your pocket, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, who did I have before? Uh, decline. Decline. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I opened yeah. for decline. And uh, so, do you feel like you're done? I mean, you you still DJ, so obviously I not. I do, but, but I mean, and I obviously like you know I love playing now. I'm not, and I'm, I'm not going to say no to a good show. Uh, but you don't feel. Is I, it like honestly, something hanging over point, you? I feel or? pretty accomplished in that I can just go. I can just go. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay, just like focusing on my intention, on my attention on on my Tuesdays and stuff. Um, so it's gravy, it's, like obviously it's saying. festival season, like you know it slows down a bit. But dude, okay. But, so it's, uh, it sounds to me, it sounds to me like it's how am I going to top this one? That's what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah, what, and what, honestly, what do you and feel I, like you good, can't... I'm glad you said that because I, I originally it was decline Stanton Warriors and Sporty O. That's what I thought about Sasha until Nicole Maldiver came along. <laughs> right? <laughs> but no, but, I, but I'm saying, like, I can't, like, I love Sportio, but Decline and Sportio aren't going to beat Stanton Warriors for me. And right. I already opened up for Stanton Warriors, so now mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll do Sportio, but that, that's just a check off my bucket list. Stanton Warriors were supposed to be, like, the last thing I do. And then I was like, I'm, I'm good now. You know. So is it that you just, he he you knew, feel... He knew that I, wanted that show desperately so. is it just that you feel accomplished now so anything is kind of gravy like like jack said earlier or do you feel like you do you feel a loss now D- does that make sense no. like now that you've accomplished it you're like well now what no i mean i'm good like i could you know i'm, I'm still happy to play out of town i still do a completely okay. different thing like you know like even 
even down even down to the to the gear that I bring on Tuesdays is eh, you know, but if I go out of town, you know, I'm you know, I'm on my S4, I'm on my actual mixer, I'm I'm bringing in a pad. I have I have my DJ partner yeah. with me. We're we're doing a whole thing that we have we have like done together, Dylan and I, Sexbox, yeah. you know. Um but as far as in town, you know, I'm just I'm sort of just focused on like promotions, you know. I don't really need to Right. It's a recurring theme. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um I guess you know, I would take Sportio, you know. Well, I'm going to take a lot of shows, but I'm saying, yeah. like, as far as the things that I wanted to do, I did tell him. I was like, Decline and Stanton Warriors is, is really all I can think of that I really want to do. Yeah. And both of those were given to me by him. So, but you, so a little bit before the that you, you played those shows, you kind of started moving, you know, on a local level, you started moving into more of, like, a multi-format uh, type gig, right? Like your Charlie. You're talking Stop about and... normie shit. Yeah, you're talking you're about do... me going up and playing music for the college kids. I, I didn't mean to relate that to. Well, I'm done now, so I'm just going to do this. I'm just saying. Oh no, no. I mean, that's like a, that's like a gig, so that I can like pay bills, which right, right. Uh, I know is uh, like a lot of times that that is like looked down upon. It shouldn't be. There's nothing right. wrong with it. No yeah, one I should agree. ever tell anyone else what to listen to and what's wrong and right music. Agreed. Um, we cover that a lot here on the show where we where we draw that line as DJ as artistry and DJ as a service. So Right, and yet and yet um uh Fatty and I were talking right. about this right. because you know Dayton does this whole um voting thing every year where they go best <laughs> DJ what one of the categories is best, best DJ, DJ in town. Right. And, Wait, who and, does and this? Dayton.com. Dayton.com and the thing is, is like, Dayton you know, for example, uh, uh, Tony's in the running every year. Uh, Fatty's in the running every year. Uh-huh. Illness is in the running every I've year. I've never been in the running. Yeah, you have. You've been in the boats. I have. Yeah. yeah. You're every year you're in the boats. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But it's here's true. the thing. You can't compare. That's <laughs> how you know you're a baller. You yeah, don't they, even they, know you're on the list. Yeah, and, then, and, then like, <laughs> and then like DJ Hill up at, up at, the, uh, up at uh, Stage Door, which is a local gay club here, uh, is also in the running every year. And, and like DJ Hill won it one year. You can't compare what Tony does right. to um, what what DJ Hill does. But the people who created those polls, I don't know if they really understand that. Right. Right. What so I'm saying is like there is a, there's a difference. There's a difference between like what Tony does and what a a top forty guy does, which is literally all the music you need to play is already laid out for you. You know, by by society, by by Billboard, by Rolling Stone, um, and then and then you have Tony and Clear then Channel. And your point is that's that's cool. But they all they category they they categorize this under best DJ in town, right? Right. No, and and Fatty was making the argument last year that he was like, no, it needs to be best club DJ, right? And best right. you know, and then best radio DJ or best best whatever, because it's it's two totally different things. Right. So we have someone like Tony and, 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 and fatty losing out to a guy that could essentially to the wedding set up iTunes. Yeah. Set up iTunes, hit play and, and walk away and go, go be on his phone for three hours. Jeez, John didn't get me in trouble for until uh, almost five 30. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what, what did I'm I do? Just talking now? about local DJs and what they can and, and to hear do. more chapel rants. Right. You can get into passionate <laughs> DJ podcast episode nine. Struggles of a small town DJ with I John. I did the chapel. ninth episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, been, a, been while. a while. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll see you at hundred. I'll see you at one hundred and ninety-three then. <laughs> Wait, I think Mike wanted to say something. Yeah, I'm sorry. I totally I cut you off like remember. 20 minutes I ago. I don't remember. Oh, back to being a parent. Goodness gracious. That's how my brain thinks. <laughs> Never mind. Never. Oh, I was going to say real quick. Uh, I think when it comes to my kids or our kids or any DJs that are out there listening that have young kids or middle-aged kids, whatever, um, dance music, like for me, has been such a teaching tool, believe mm. it or not, mm-hmm. especially yep. about music. Yeah. Like it's just structured in a way to where I'm like, these are measures. These are. This is the hi hat. This is like it's been such a really cool tool. To this use. is the drop. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been a <laughs> dance music's been a really hey, good tool. Hey, David. To teach, what, David, to what do you tell Lily? What, what part of the song is it? Oh, it's the hands in the air part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but but for me, it's been you know in terms of relating it to my children, it's been a, a really good tool to use in terms of teaching just musically. You know, okay. Like, and right. and you, you you have to look at, you know, your turntables or CDJs, all that stuff as an instrument. Teach yeah. them. Yeah. You know, it's their instruments, really. Yeah. So, yeah, just wanted to. So, do you, do your kids seem kind of interested in? What My kids you... are interested in everything. Okay. Sticks. <laughs> To video games, to <laughs> sticks and DJ mixers, they do yeah, it all. My kids are uh, yeah. very yeah, my bizarre kids bugs just, you find in your they backyard. They soak everything in. I mean, yeah. yeah, but it's but I, I've just found that you know electronic music's been really a really good tool to teach them about music. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I like that. Yeah. So yeah, just wanted to encourage parents about you know yeah. how you can kind of get them. But see the good thing about having teenage kids who are actually larger than yourself, just like myself and DJ Brains here, they help you set your shit up. <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, yeah. cool. St- okay, cool. I got to share a very cool story about Brett Johnson, who was just in town for... Amazing show, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah he, Dayton, y'all missed out on that one. He was uh, he, he thoroughly impressed with him, but I'm taking him to the airport, to the hotel when I pick him up, and he gets a phone call, and he's just... Just real nice tone, real sweet, and I'm not dropping eaves or whatever. I'm just kind of yeah, – I couldn't help but over here. Gets off the phone and he goes, oh, that was my daughter. And he goes, there's a big club in Dallas called It'll Do. And it's I've, – I've seen this club before. Nicole's played there. Um, Green Velvet's played there. Everyone that's played volume has played there. It's like their favorite place to play is It'll Do in Dallas. Hmm. I'm sure I'm, – I'm assuming one of your listeners will have heard of it. It's a pretty cool name. It's called yeah, It'll Do. Yeah, It'll, yeah. It'll Do in Dallas. Look it up. Um, Brett's like, oh, I just played there a couple months ago, and uh, it was an amazing time, you know. And he goes, my daughter has is now the resident DJ of their like six to nine p.m. kids' night. Oh wow! How old is she? What? And he goes, it's like it's like sixteen or something. Huh. And I thought it nice. was so cool. I'm like. And he goes, she, was, she called me to get on the phone to find out how to get on my computer. She wanted to download some tunes. 
But you know, like how we used to have here in Dayton years ago, a place called the Odyssey. Do you oh yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Which it which like, then it was just soda. It was like you know, yeah, you fifteen, yeah. you go teen clubs. Yeah, yeah. The Odyssey. Well, that was that place. Uh, yeah. yeah, Odyssey turned into Mother Ruckers, which then turned into Sirens. Okay. We used to do after hours there, um, after all of the like gym club and roller dome and Dayton yeah. parties. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. Didn't Steve Silent Gloves? Didn't he used yeah, to he DJ? A, he was a at, resident. At, yeah. Uh, was it Hot Spot or something? It, well, Denver Heights. Oh, Sanctuary or whatever it was then. I don't remember the name, but it was a teen club. No, he used to. He was. He was. He was a resident at a teen club in Huber Heights. He used to play at Sirens For, too. That's yeah, where whatever, I. Yeah. Um, whatever Heat used to be. I think. Mm. Oh. Okay. But for, anyway, yeah. yeah. But yeah. for me, it was just such a cool, real father-daughter moment, like that, that relates cool. to yeah. dance music. It was like the you know I thought they. I thought he was just saying, "Hey, get in the closet. My shoes are in there, or something." But that gets off, and he's like, "Oh, she's she's <laughs> asking how to turn my, my computer shoes. on to download music. She's a resident for the kids' night at the biggest club in Dallas." And I'm like, well, "How cool is that? You right. know, just to kind of keep that connect. You know, like that's a connection for them. You right, know, like, right. You know, pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. Okay, um, Mo, if you've got a moment over there." <laughs> We have our next announcement to make, and this very much involves you. Do you, do you have a second, or are you? You most working ops over there in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that thing you told me to do with that stuff. Um. <laughs> no, so well, I just want to make sure. I want to make sure you're paying attention, and the answer is no. <laughs> so our next big announcement is that we are launching the Passionate DJ Ambassador Program. Mo. Woo! What is the Passionate DJ Ambassador? We've kind of mentioned it on the show a little bit, but can you kind of give the, the spiel? Yeah, we mentioned it in the past. And basically what we're doing is we're looking for a core group of our listeners that are going to help us spread the word about the Passionate DJ podcast wherever you're at. I know we have some international listeners. We have plenty of listeners throughout the country. But what we're trying to do is get nested into your scene. Um, Dayton, you know, Dave and I were talking today, you know, we have some unique struggles because we're not a big town, but we're in a central location to where we have access to you know, about five major cities within about a three hour drive. And just we want to know what you guys are doing out there and maybe you can help us become a better scene and maybe we can help you become a better scene. But more importantly, we want to help each other become better DJs through passion and purpose. Bam. So the, the whole idea is that we'll kind of give you you'll be in a secret group kind of thing and we will be all working we'll together to to spread the word about passionate dj and do different things like you know fill out a review answer this survey just little things that will help us out and uh you know help us spread the word so for anybody who's really down with the cause um i think mo's got a survey ready for us to fill out um, yeah there'll be uh weekly uh monthly tasks and we'll set up a friendly competition and whoever can accomplish a certain amount of tasks well you'll achieve points and then based off whenever these seasons are over, you'll get points and you'll be rewarded with swag like you might have seen today. <laughs> or you might get other uh, unique gifts, uh, gift cards, whatever. But yeah, so we we're going to gamify it a little guys. bit. And we'll have points in there and we'll, we'll have weekly tasks and monthly tasks kind of, you know, if, for the gamers out there, they'll kind of understand how that works where you have your, your weekly and monthly and daily things to do to, to earn your XP, as it were. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same kind of idea. So. This is going to be Modingo's baby, so uh, he'll be running this thing. So if you want to get in touch with him, you can reach him at mo at passionatedj.com. And I don't think I created a link yet for the survey, so if you can post it in the uh, chat room for anybody who wants to fill it out, 
And then uh, I'll create a link at passionatedj.com <laughs> forward slash survey. I'm sorry, Dubmaster Blue Bear said it's like Dungeons Dragons, but for DJs. Yes, exactly. That is totally what it is. Uh, do we Make sure you choose your alignment before yeah. you start rolling the dice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, chaotic neutral sure. every time. <laughs> Do we have some polls left? To, we, we've only got about half an hour left. Okay. So I want to make sure we get those in because I want to get I want to get the Q and A. Yeah, you guys have been killing it. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, team. The survey has been posted. So if thank you, you beautiful people out there could just log on to that, answer a few questions, and once we get all that tallied up, we'll reach out to you probably do some web-based stuff just so we can see what you all look like and hear your voices. But we can also do that by leaving us voicemails. Yes, absolutely. Which I love doing. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. You leave well, no, It's not you. It's not John Chop. This guy that I have not heard from All right. So let's look at a couple more of these polls here. So yeah, what, whatever ones, if we got one or two left to do to, to wrap it up here, because so we don't have time to the, answer at the end. <laughs> yeah, the pick three looks neck and neck between the Guilty Pleasures slash Cheesy Tracks, Top 40, B-Sides. Um, what type of episode do you like the best? There's a solid lead with the uh, tech talking when we nerd out. Mm. So oh, I think good. that's mainly I love due to trip. <laughs> yes, we'll talk. Um, and just at, one of the general questions I asked is, how did you discover Passion DJ Podcast? And that was through Google search and other. So I'm going to assume like word of mouth or something Oh, like you've that. already posted the polls? Yep. Oh, I didn't realize and that. I'm sorry. Okay. So can you – okay. We'll announce the, the final results at the end then. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And I didn't then, realize you'd already been posting them. One of the other ones is what other music styles do you want us to see you know, here? And that was based off everybody, what they're saying in the comment okay. section. Awesome. But if you want to move on to some of the questions. Yeah, let's do Q&A. This is uh, pulled from our listeners in the chat room. Okay. Uh, DJ Serrata wants to know, what kind of beer is David sipping on? <laughs> <laughs> this is Great Lakes uh, Elliot Ness, Amber Lager. Um, I cheated and bought a variety pack because I didn't know what everybody wanted to drink. So, <laughs> Hey, Jack, while you're over there. <laughs> John's got pee. Thanks, come on. Tony's got an entire wet bar back here. Yeah. Well, but somebody wanted to know what proof... Uh, John's P is by now. <laughs> <laughs> what proof is your P, John? Yeah, what did you proof go out last it? night? No, this is. I poured this today. <laughs> it's actually a hundred proof. You poured it here. So, in the official passionatedj.com YouTube set slash one hundred <laughs> studio. Right here. Oh, all right. So next question coming from Greg Lane. Um, what's everybody's take on creating events with exclusivity? Uh, what's that oh, mean? Exclusivity as far as only some uh, limited uh, in or limited attendance or attendance. Yeah. You know. I want to know. He seems to know what you're talking about. I want. I just want to know what exclusivity means. What's that mean? So me, I mean, I know what the like, word means, but well, in Columbus we have a party called Midwest Fresh that has. And you have to email to RSVP, and it shuts off at 8 p.m. Oh. the night of the event. So it's like so this show. If you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> episode one. So if you show up at the door and you're not on the list, you're not getting in. Right. Um, but it's also kind of like a renegade style event where it's held in a warehouse. They have permits, but 
they're trying to keep it underground. They're trying to limit. Okay. It's it's a very like. Uh, Oh, I don't know how to work. Is that like a preserve the rave kind of approach? Is that what that's about? It's a lot of the old school heads. So it's a lot of like Detroit techno, Chicago house. Uh, It's a little bit of an older crowd. But um, I think it's kind of working for them because I think it adds that like scarcity element where it it creates interest with, you know, I got to be on the list. I want to be included kind of thing. So I'm sure it varies from city to city. But um, that's my, like I'm not involved with the events. Um, I my you know I know the people who are throwing them, and it seems to be working well for them um, to like eliminate riffraff and to kind of garner a little bit of like mystique or interest in that regard. So well, and Reggie Davenport yeah. saying like Studio Fifty Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also okay. like a, a community that that just keeps going back week 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 week. You know, right? Yeah, it's it's a monthly event. Or, okay, well, month, yeah, month, month, but, month. For my events, I'm just trying to get anyone I can. <laughs> like, homeless people, you know, like, please come in. You know, I say that jokingly, but... So sure. no, like, exclusionary drum and bass Columbus Absolutely events not. happen? Right no, now. I mean, if anything, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm trying to get new blood and right. new people involved. Where, you know, it, it just depends on the type of event or the type of crowd where some people are a little more, uh, you know, resistant to outside influence or they want to keep it tight um, and keep it a certain way. Right. So, and I, you know, I totally respect that. Does, Fine, does, <laughs> does anybody think that that's a bad idea or that it's exclusionary uh, or unfair? I, I say well, it's okay. It's not exclusionary because anyone can sign up for it. Right. Okay. So, you know, I just want to make that clear with with their the policy that they have. They just need you to RSVP before the event. Like What about places that don't? What, um, what if it's just like it's a private club? That's a totally different situation and I don't know how I feel about that because there's obviously like variables involved. Um, you know, I, I, it it would depend on, you know, how you're you know, excluding people <laughs> yeah you know enough. like i don't know what factors someone would base yeah. some some people are excluded because they can't afford cover uh-huh. okay. so i mean yeah there's uh, there's different levels of this right sure right. sure sure um mo how many questions are we going to answer here i don't want to spend too much time on one but i, I want to make sure we got, we got quite a few um, okay cool sean freeman's asking hi sean essentially who's a dj or producer that's killing it that nobody knows about Ooh, any takers? <laughs> I think Mike and Jack probably be pretty good for this one. <laughs> Is Trip Turlington? Nobody wants to give up the secrets, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you mean? The question is that nobody knows about. Well-versed. We, you literally can't answer that question because we know about them. It's it's hard to yeah. It's DJ hard to or producer. Or, or does it matter? Sorry. Because I don't know DJ who's well-known and who's not well-known to the person that's cash, asking cash, the question. But that's just my personal... What's I'm that? really into cash-cash. Cash-cash. Cash-cash? They're, cash? like, they're, they're whatever, the, whatever is in between a house and glitch hop, that's where cash-cash is. Oh, okay. And yeah. the guarantee is so cheap. Their tickets are so cheap. They played in, like, Middletown, like... Nine, eight, nine, ten months ago, or something. Uh, I would say that I, because I'm, I'm obsessed with Cash Cash, 
and I don't think enough people know about Cash Cash. Hmm. Okay. Are they stateside or? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Mr. Shifter. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people sure. on, the, uh, on, the, on the drum code label. Joseph Capriati, for example. Capriati's amazing, Amazing techno producer DJ that is killing it. Uh -huh. A lot of people that are into techno probably know who he is, but a lot of people that aren't into techno That's what have I was no idea say, who he like, is. Yeah, it, yeah it, you know? I mean, it, I guess it just kind of depends on, on who you ask, on who you ask and, and what you're into. For me, when it comes to techno, like... Panpot is my Panpot, oh yours born. Oh. Uh, even Nicole Mudaber, for example, like yeah, Nicole's a she's got a half million followers. But I can ask twenty of my friends, "Hey, right. you coming out to the show?" And they're, "Who is she? Yeah. Who is she?" Yeah. Right. Right. So right. it really depends on on who you ask. But in my opinion, sure. yeah. All right, I, I got another really one know. from uh, our good friend Brian K. James, also known as Daibatsu Music. Hey, hey. hey, what's up, Brian? Has anyone got to DJ at a place they've always dreamed of playing? Were you nervous? How did it go? And would you do it again? And the reason he's asking because our but our good friend here is going to be playing in Ibiza in September in a cafe. So that is super Ooh. solid. So nice. Dave or Brian, we expect to see some pictures, Instagram, all that good stuff, Man. and record your sets, bro. Yeah. So, right. Right. Are you kind of the closest to, to be able to say yes to that? Um, kind of I, the closest out of all of yeah. us. I mean, you did. I played some pretty big stages in Oakland. Yeah, number fast people. Nutter Center and Boma, but right. those were pretty great places. Yeah, to play. absolutely. Well, I and mean, you spent how many months in Puerto Vallarta? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that, yeah. that had to be pretty dope. Like, <laughs> you're literally an international touring DJ <laughs> right, right. there. So yeah, I'm pretty saying, awesome. I feel like, like hands down, he's probably the closest yeah, to being yeah. able to say yes. Yeah, Boma and and Nutter Center are pretty great places to right. Play. Be asked to play. I played on some pretty cool stages. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the question? Say the question one more time, Mo. Just basically, have there been any dream places that you wanted to play? And if you got to play there, you know, how was it? Were you nervous? Um, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm nervous going into a crowd of 20 people, you know, at Therapy Cafe. But that's just me as a person. Um, I'm, I'm always nervous going up on stage. Um, did I ever dream of playing in Puerto Vallarta? No. Um, but when it happened, it was amazing. Yes, I would do it again. Yes. Um, that's I, I think for me, it's not so much a place as it is yeah. a, like a particular experience. Like mm -hmm. that, the Sasha show that you put mm -hmm. me on for would be the one for me so far, right, just right. because it was Sasha. And I mean, that's that's definitely a dream I, place. Yeah, if I could have picked anyone, it would have been him or Digweed, mm -hmm. and there it was. And you know, even though Mask is just a local Dayton club, it's more than just a local Dayton mm -hmm. club. I yeah, mean, it's serious business. The experience is amazing, regardless of the stage. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm going to keep in my heart forever. And it, it, it had something to do with the venue, but not entirely. Right. Yeah. For me, it was always like the unexpected place that I played that like really fulfilled mm. something. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, like... It's a lot of the times, if I'm going into something like, oh, I can't wait to play this, often like I found myself let down or something happened and it wasn't quite the night that I wanted it to be. And yeah. then there's this night that I play something that 75, 80 people are at and it's like, wow, everyone was dancing <laughs> and man, that just recharged something. And yeah. I, I just, I was kind of indifferent going into it and I left it thinking, eh, you know what, I didn't, I, I wasn't expecting this, but man, this felt good. Oh, um, I just, I kind of said what you just said, that sometimes it's not the size of the venue that just makes it totally memorable. 
there were a few opportunities that I had that I thought was going to be amazing, even though that's detracting from the original question a little bit, where I got asked to play a, a really, really big rock festival for a local radio station in Columbus a couple of years back, where I was playing with like huge, huge bands, and me and my friend were like the only d DJs on the, the whole lineup. So, but I was playing for... I have a picture of it. I mean, I, I have no idea how many thousands of people, but oh, I mean, wow. it just like dwarfs every gig I have right, right. size-wise. But I just felt so disconnected from the crowd. It, it, it just didn't mm. even really. You talked about that, Tony. Yeah, yeah, it just it wasn't a great it wasn't a great experience for me. It, also, we were the only DJ act on this, so it was like indie rock band, indie rock band, folk rock band, DJs, <laughs> indie rock band. <laughs> and so I mean. Oh, That's I mean, rough. I was like trembling and I've been DJing for eons, but like I just was I'd yeah. never been so nervous in my life, sure. you know, and, and I'm just like we're DJing and like we're just watching a whole swath of people just sitting on a hill at this outside concert venue, like at a nightclub, you know, people are dancing and, you know, again, and I know yeah. I'm detracting a little bit, but right, like right. it just, you know, I thought it was going to be something amazing and I did it the next year. They asked me to come back, and I was a little reluctant, and I did it for two years. And then the third year, I was like, I, I can't do it again. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, like I said, again, I'm, I'm detracting from the question a little bit, but, like, I'd much rather play for 100 people who are just, like... Who are into it, yeah. Who yeah. are Super into it. Yeah. So, you know, my favorite gigs uh, have definitely been some of the smaller ones. So, you know, just, like, be careful of, like, chasing, like, these huge venues or festivals, because right. sometimes that's not... You know, necessarily like the the most yeah. rewarding experience detached that you can from have. those people, like you said, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. I'm I'm the same way. I, I I don't know that any any gig in particular stands out as like, oh man, I always wanted to achieve this or I always wanted to play this one. But like, rather, I'm I'm always the type that like, okay, I really want to take each gig for what it is and, and approach right. it for what it is and accept it for what it is once it's done. And if it's a bad gig, you know, then have some retrospect and, mm -hmm. and look back on it and learn something from live it. Live in the moment. But yeah, the, it, yeah, that definitely that living in the moment thing, especially when you're younger, man, like that's, uh, that's so important that all us old yeah. folks, you know, I was can nervous when he asked me to play Stan and then yeah. I was just, I was nervous on that phone call. Mm -hmm. And then I just, I like I just kind of a little bit like worked my ass off and I was like, OK, now I got my shit together on what I want to do. And I'm just like, great. I did tailor my entire set to David and Mike. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I came up to you after you were done and I said, whoa, I've never heard you play like that. And because you, you never heard me play like that. Even that, because yeah. you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I just tailored my set. Oh, to you that guys. was uh, was it? That was Stan Warriors. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're dead to me. <laughs> and I'll just go ahead and echo that about location or in the feeling versus the venue and stuff like that mm -hmm. because I can tell you yeah, the most rewarding set I ever did was that first one I did while I was deployed two years ago mm. and there were those 200 men and women just shaking their ass off sweat until their crotch stinks you know <laughs> it was freaking amazing I actually called Mel so and I was like almost in tears because I hadn't had that feeling you know, since the late 90s uh -huh. when awesome. I had the chance to spin for that many people yeah. that love what I was dropping for them. Just one thing really quick. I'll make this fast. But I booked uh, one of my favorite DJs from the UK uh, either late last year or earlier this year. I can't remember. And so when I picked him up from the airport, I said, you know, how was your last show? He was on a tour and he said, oh, it was this mega festival. It played for thousands of people. 
And I'm like, oh man, here he is in Columbus, Ohio. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be like the biggest letdown for him. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, we're a fun town. You know, we love our drum and bass here. You know, the whole time I was shaking in my boots. But um, to get to the point, like that night when he was playing in this little punk rock bar, you know, I went to bring him a beer while he's playing on stage. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you having fun? And he looked at me and he, like with this huge grin, he said, I'm having the time of my life because awesome. there's the 80 people in that room were just going crazy, <laughs> nice. you know? And I mean, he was 100% right. genuine and I never felt so good. Like it was the coolest feeling in the world. So, you know, even a guy that's touring festivals right. and doing yeah. all kinds of any, you know, stuff like that. He was playing in this little bar in Columbus, Ohio, but every single person there was just like, you know, going crazy. And he was like, you know, having the time of his life. It was really, really cool. Well, and that's an important thing just to real quick on that is that, you know, not every gig is going to be the mega gig, right? Like, so if you ever do, or if you ever are lucky enough to get to that level, you got to take those 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, you know, right. hundred person shows Absolutely. with the same passion as right. you do. Well, that was a very important thing. People. He didn't mail it in in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Like he he performed like he was playing for a right. festival, right. and that's a good distinction to make because sometimes when DJs play these smaller shows, they mail it in. They're just not as interested as if they right. were playing in a different city, and that really people can sense that, mm-hmm. you know. And I yeah. think that was part of the reason why everyone was having such a good time because he was so visibly engaged and enjoying himself. Uh, Mo, real quick before we take the the next question, uh, we actually received a package from our friend Nick. And now, I promised him I'd try to get his name right this time. Nick Gavush, I think is how you say it? Yes, he, right? said, he said it rhymes like the bush. Okay, got it. Yes. Cool. Huh. He's, he's been in touch with us for ages now, but I can never pronounce his name properly. He's corrected me like three or four times now. So hopefully I got it right that time. Um, but he sent in this message. It says, happy 100th episode. Enclosed as a token of my appreciation, you will find some sticker swag I made using my equipment and supplies for my wife's custom t-shirt and personalized gift business. I made a couple of different passionate DJ stickers and logos in both black and white, as well as your names in two different fonts, which are sized for use on the edge of your controllers, but you can put them wherever you like. I tried to pick fonts that I felt embodied your personal brands. I hope you enjoy them. I may not be a particularly good bedroom DJ, but I really enjoy your show. I find the topics and discussions enlightening and entertaining and enjoy learning about all aspects of the trade. I hope your show enjoys continued success and as much is as much of an inspiration to others as it, as it has been to me. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. That is super yeah. awesome. Thanks. So we, yeah, yeah thanks, thank Nick. you, Nick. We've got these great uh, little passionate DJ stickers. Very are cool. hard to see, but and a podcast logo and all kinds of cool goodies here. So wow, thank you so cool. much for that. We appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah thank so you. Yes. We have uh, time for another question or two. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go with this one from Dub Master Blue Bear, and he's just hey. curious to know if. Uh, let's. He's just curious to know if anybody's using open source software to produce or DJ, and nope. are most of us using uh, Max? I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, Recent for DJing, convert. yes. Production now. <laughs> Um, I, the only freeware type stuff that I use is Audacity and, and stuff like that for, yeah, I use for Audacity too. Yeah. quick raw uh, audio edits. In terms of DAWs, in terms of DAWs, true. there's like Reaper, which is really com- community driven. Um, but yeah. I don't have any experience with it. I use Ableton Live, yep, Ableton but I know do. Reaper is is one of the more popular. Bitwig is the other. Bitwig and Reaper are like the two big open source production softwares. Yeah. In terms of DJing, uh, oh, I, Virtual I, DJ I could, still has a free tier, right? That's pretty functional, I think. No. 
I don't there's, know. There's was it, was it freeware or open source? Was the yeah, he did say open source. Yeah, well, yeah. well Dubmaster, I mean, he's like going open source all the way because he's using the Linux computer oh, OS okay. and um, our door um, as a saw and mix for DJing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have any experience with this. Yeah, I don't have the stuff. patience for like being a part of a community. I'm not a programmer. I'm not like, <laughs> what? <laughs> did I, what did I say? I don't like community. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> In context of the, yeah, I got you. (laughs) Trip knew what I meant. But like in terms of like an online community, like open source kind of thing, I just don't, at this point in my life, I'm not like a power user. I'm not a programmer. I don't like to, I just want it to work and I want to be able to trust it. I I do like nerding out with stuff like that, but I don't like relying on it for anything I'm doing for performance or creation. Especially when it comes to performance, like. You know, I have to trust my equipment and my software when I'm, you know, not that I'm playing these huge gigs or anything like that, you know, for the most part. But like I had a couple bad experiences using the first version of Final Scratch, you know, however long ago that was. I was playing a festival for Disco Donnie in New Orleans and Final Scratch crashed on me in the middle of my set. And like I thought Mm. I was going to throw up. I was so nervous. Final Scratch was a pain in the ass. Yeah, it was the worst. You had to like calibrate the needles before you. It's just, you know, so like I'm done with that. Like I just want I just want it to work. So but more power to the people who want to do open source stuff. All right, we have time for one or maybe two more, depending yep, on... Yep, we got one last one from okay. Sean Freeman. He says, I DJ almost every week, and now in every usual seven times a week. He got to start off by trading his uh, his time for a membership to a gym, and he was DJing there at a pool on the Fridays. said business actually went crazy based off his exposure with high schools and city events and corporate gigs. He was asking... What were some of the tricks that we used when we first used to get started in order to get a name, get a foothold? To, to get gigs? To get gigs, correct. In, in terms of like DJ as a service type of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it was total word of mouth. Because I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had never even considered like weddings or, you know, corporate gigs or anything like that until somebody approached me with it. And then I was like, you know, the artist side of me was still like, oh, no, that would be like selling out or whatever, right? But then like, then when they said, oh, well, we'll pay you $700. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, sure, I'm there. Right? You want to hear Vega Boys? I got your Vega Boys. <laughs> right, exactly. One, two, three, four. I think some people are reluctant to say, hey, if you like the job that I did, please recommend me to right. other people. Right. Like, just you have to be upfront about yeah, that. Yeah. Like, because sometimes if you don't say that, you know, sometimes that little bug doesn't go into their head, right. that, that person's head when they're talking to somebody and, you know, I, I do that with my own personal business. But with DJing, you really need to say, like, hey, if, if you thought I did a great job, if you know anybody that you think would that could use me or that exactly. would enjoy my services, yeah. like, please recommend me. Yeah. You know, absolutely do that. And, and, I, and, and even though I, I didn't – I wasn't the best at it. I was – I didn't particularly enjoy it any more than, you know, being a performing DJ. But, you know, if it brought in extra cash – and and i had everything there to do it okay great you know so right. um you know that that word of mouth thing was absolutely yeah, instrumental in keeping the next thing coming mm-hmm. i think everyone i think everyone has an answer yeah i i think for so i do more more club than mobile well, you and, did night and, out with him right i did night out with uh, tommy my buddy tommy but Gunner. i mean you you guys were playing at the same time weren't you i don't think so no. oh but um, that is where kind of where I started though was was Night Owl, yeah. and it, so 
Uh, that would have been mid 2000s, so 05, 06, something like Basically, when everything was dead in Dayton <laughs> is when I decided to get into it. <laughs> um, so for me, it was three things. One was, uh, you know, kind of trying to practice what I preach here and just basically making myself valuable to people in whatever way I could that were involved. So I, I figured out who people like Tony were and said, how can I help? you know, and, and kept on doing that until I annoyed them into letting me help. Um, so that was one. Make me sound like and that's pretty much no. how. <laughs> Not you specifically. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And that's pretty much how I got involved. You know, I started off as a listener and I started annoying the hell out of Dave. Yeah. I start, and then, you know, I made Trip move in next door to me. I started, I started cooking Tony all kinds of fucking awesome gourmet meals. Yeah. Read that, Boom. Uh, Read that one more time. I'm Question? not even done answering me. <laughs> I'm on number one just, of three. I just, I just don't know what you're talking about, Dave. <laughs> I have all, one question in 27 parts. Yeah, that's great. It's, I, it's, okay, so yeah, it is I DJ question. almost every week, and now usually several times a week. I got my start by trading off a $1,000 membership at our local swim club for five DJing Fridays a summer. Yeah, Business instantly went yeah. crazy from events, high schools, and now city events, all from the time I volunteered at the swim club. What was y'all's trick to getting gigs when you first started? That is, My trade-off is still paying off from all the swim club like gigs it's, that I have. It's, it's not really session. a trick. It's just networking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like a lot of people don't know that that's even like a thing, let alone that that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. meet people. Well, I mean, like even from the performance standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, even from the, perform- even from the performance standpoint, like, you know, when I was not good, and, and just starting out, I did have a set of techniques and a DJM 500. Well, that will get you a gig just about anywhere back in the 90s. So, like, yeah. you know, for anybody who's sitting on some CDJ 2000 Nexus 2s <laughs> and a DJM 900 Nexus 2 now, like, yeah, that, that will throw some weight around because a promoter would rather, like, you know, book you as an opener than to go pay somebody a couple hundred bucks to rent that stuff. Which, by the way, is... Hey, you can open and just leave your gear here. <laughs> well, right. I mean, but it, it at <laughs> least gets so you common. started somewhere. And that, I mean, yeah. so back, you know, when, when it was turntables and a mixer, that's how I, I, I was able to get myself going. And as I got better, then, you know, the, the, the gigs. Oh, no. I mean, I guess, I, got, I, I, guess I started EDM Tuesday on a trick. I, I was just like, hey, I just want to do this. Just like you. Well, that tricks. was going to be my, <laughs> my second one was <laughs> I went. I went. You little shit. <laughs> I went somewhere that wasn't doing anything and said, yeah. how about yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, but I was just like, you know, the thing is, I was going to uh, uh, your Sunday fun day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, hey, um, I'm not doing anything. Uh, I would like to do an EDM night here. How about this? Don't pay me until the bar makes $1,000. Mm-hmm. Once the bar makes $1,000, then start paying then me. we'll talk. Yeah. And they thought they had me over. <laughs> and within three weeks, but they, he, I was like, give me eight weeks. If I don't do it in eight weeks, you can just fire me. I did it in three weeks, and that, and that was it. And then we're like, okay, we're going to pay you. because Jesus Christ, this is, this is crazy. I, they, they, back then, they didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. Was it one of those things where, like, right, it worked, and then you were like, now what? No, I was like, well, and then they were like, okay, well, you made $1,000. What do we pay you? And I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, I guess, I guess that's a trick, but I mean, that's not, that's less, that's less about DJing. It takes initiative. That's less about DJing. That's more like promoting. Yeah. It's if, a little if, bit of business prowess. As I mean, far as DJing yeah. goes, what I did, I, was, I went in there and I was like, hey, give me nine to 10. 
That's it. That's all I want. I have no idea what yeah. I'm doing. I have no equipment. I have no gear. I've never even played before. <laughs> Just give me nine and ten. Let me see what I can do. You hear and this, he kids? Like, okay. John Chapel can do it. That's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, one that might that sound we a little out to hustle. Yeah. Yeah. One that might sound a little more like a like a trick was I made myself a little bit more visible with Passionate DJ. I mean, that was part of the you know creating this brand was so that hey, I've got something to say. Um, I feel like I've Revive. got something to contribute here. And so that was kind of part of, and that wasn't the entire motivation, but it has definitely helped. So it's something that's related to my DJing that's not my DJing. You know what I mean? Sure. So that, that would be one for me. Mike, you have something? I would to just say real quick, be good, be kind, be patient. Right. Uh, be yeah. ready to hear some no's, power through no's, you know, and then just, yeah, that's yes. Yeah, I would like to add professional onto that because I, I no, went through a period. That's, that's great advice. Be prepared to your nose. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to add to that to be professional because I, I, I went through a phase like most young people do, you know, where, you know, I thought I was the shit, you know, and, you know, if you told me no, well, then you're just, you know, a piece right. of crap. And then, of course, you know, then yeah. that that's the kind of stuff that starts inner crew drama and all, you know, just a, a bunch of crap like that. Like, just be professional. Realize that as much as we all are passionate about our artistry, that there's still a business to be run. And just because you what you bring to the table doesn't work for every for somebody right. else. That doesn't mean that yeah. it won't work You're for dealing somebody with else. someone with a program. That's that, right. You know, that has something in mind and it might not work out, you know, right. but the next guy might. Right. Okay, hey guys, it's six o'clock. That's we gotta wrap it up. Well, that was well awesome. hold on. Um, before we go, oh yes, <laughs> what are we we're doing a shot. What? Uh, <laughs> we are doing a shot. <laughs> uh, while while you're passing those out, um, our final announcement is that uh, Trip, Mr. Trip Trillington, has been working hard on our new theme song. So we are going to have a... I've, I've been working? You had... I, I, I did work very hard. You have, you have worked. So uh, uh, can I tell Everybody kind of get behind uh, the booth. What, yeah. are we doing, what are we doing a shot of? This is a, uh, a lemon, lemonade-flavored vodka. Oh. Woohoo! You would have had me if you would have said limoncello. <laughs> <laughs> Which camera are we on here, Mom? We're on a team. Yeah. <laughs> that was for Tripp's benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and on that note, as an outsider, well done, guys. Thank you, you so know. much. Oh, hey. Wait, we got to wait. I'm, I'm getting my <laughs> shot, yo. <laughs> Come on over here, Mel. Mo and Mel. Um, <laughs> uh, real quick, thank you guys all so much for helping me put this together. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, uh, no let's, doubt. let's do it again no, cool. in, a, in a while. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> Guys, here's to the next 100. Yeah. Right. Cheers. I'm tapping. <laughs> Shot. This has been the Passion DJ Podcast. <laughs> We're going to send you out with the new theme and uh, then a voicemail by our friend DJ Serato. You guys take care. Thank you so much. Keep on spinning.
since I reached out to the passionate DJs, Bomb Diggity Flex Squad, aka David Tripp, <laughs> Tony, and Mo. This is DJ Serato checking in from Phoenix, Arizona, and Serato is actually my last name, but with two R's instead of one. Um, it's always been a pleasure listening to the podcast. As a 40-year-old man who got back into DJing about two and a half years ago, I've been really trying to get it right this time around. Getting it right the first time would have been nice, but it's my mistakes and my failures and the accompanying embarrassment that are making my second attempt at DJing so much more fun. It's mobile DJing that I do, like weddings, proms, 316, birthdays, corporate events, and sometimes I DJ at like bars and clubs. But I wanted to share a few things with your audience. You know, the, the audience where we're like all as one. We all share this passion for DJing in one form or another, all on our own unique ways, which makes listening to the podcast pretty cool. Thank you, David, and thanks to your wife for supporting you in your endeavor of not only creating the passion of DJ, but also supporting all of the countless things that come with it. As you continue marching forward in this, this really cool movement you started. And thank you, Trip, Tony, and Mo. But a special thanks to your spouses for putting up with all the supporting decisions you made to, to make this podcast worth it and all the other passionate DJ-related stuff. So, yeah, shout out to the wives and spouses, you know, for just supporting you guys as you do this. Um, you know, my mom, may she rest in peace, she told me, you know, behind every successful man is a good woman. Um, I translate her words as cross-gender and friendship-related, um, where we can all be successful in our, on our own, but if we accomplish um, things on our own, we can do so much more when someone's helping and supporting us along the way. Um, it's not easy being the spouse of a DJ or a producer or event coordinator or promoter or anyone in this industry. So I just wanted to say thank you to them. Um, but whether it's a husband, a wife, or a spouse, or a friend, or community, we should all have a paradigm of working together to make each other better. So like, lone wolf style, that, that's a good way to go as it represents your independence, you know? But if you guys want to make like leaps and bounds, you have to work together with others to accomplish a mutual goal. Like, working together represents codependency. But to get to codependency, first you have to master your own dependency. Work on being independent by like establishing goals for yourself. 
small daily goals, and then like small weekly goals. And keep your word to yourself in accomplishing these tiny goals. Then work on making like slightly bigger goals daily and weekly. It's tough to accomplish goals that we make to ourselves because no one knows about them. It's hella easy to give up on a goal that no one's looking at. But it's these goals, you guys, that are like the ones that no one knows about that are the absolute most important goals to accomplish. So it's like sometimes we have to say no to others so that we can say yes to ourselves. And accomplishing your personal goals will give you independence. And so that's where you need to get at. Because once you feel independent enough, that's when you should start working with others on being codependent. Working together with others will make you and the people you work with more successful in a much shorter period of time. Of course, there'll always be people that you come across and who don't share this paradigm and you'll get burned in the process one way or another. And that's okay. If you're not making mistakes, you're not doing enough. So make those mistakes. And the people you work with in your attempt to be codependent may not have mastered being independent themselves yet. And that's okay too. You need to try working with others to find out if you work well with them or not. Anyway, um, I know this is long and whatever, but, you know, I agree with David and the Get Down crew, you know, Tony, Tripp, and Mo. I share their ideology and their passion for DJing. As for myself, I have a regular day job. I do accounting. I have a wife. It's my second marriage. I have four kids, two dogs, and a mortgage, two vehicles, a DJ trailer, and everything else. My point is, each second of every day is a calculated step for me. Right now, it's Saturday at 10 a.m. I should be cutting the grass right now or like hanging out with my wife and my kids or like even practicing my DJ skills or even beefing up my online presence as a DJ or following up on leads, you know. But I really wanted to take the time to write this message. So a lot of people say they don't have time for things. You know, well, well I got news for you guys. We all have time. It's just a matter of how we prioritize our time. I believe in the passionate DJ movement and what it represents, which is why I've taken about two hours to type this up, re-edit it, reread it, and then now even just leave a voice message all in one shot here. I have so much more I want to share, and I'm here to help anyone who wants it. So if you want the help, hit me up. Um, I didn't think about how to put this on the message, but find me on Passionate DJ. Um, I'll be trying to make more of a presence on there. And I really just want to help people out, you know, genuinely. And I don't necessarily love a lot of things, you guys. <laughs> so for me to say I love this movement, you know, says a lot. So gentlemen and your spouses, thanks for pouring a lot of your time into this. Cheers. DJ Serato, Phoenix, Arizona. Peace.